You're listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Mike Reed. Jay Kaz, what what is it, my man? You're on assignment today, aren't you? All right, yes, I am. I'm on uh, on hiatus slash assignment slash. Oh my God, I don't know what to call this thing. It's out of control. We're having a great where, time. Where are you? What are you doing? We're having a great. We're in Kent, Ohio. If you don't remember, or if you don't know where that is, we're at Kent State University, and that's famous from uh, May Fourth in uh, 1970. You might be familiar with the song from uh, uh, Mr. Young. Um, remember the song Four Dead in Ohio"? That lyric. Sure. Hello. I do. Yeah, I remember um, it definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I bet most of our listeners do, yeah. do too. Yeah, all that. All that stuff happened here. There was a big protest in 1970, and four students got shot by the National Guard. They were protesting the Vietnam War. It's pretty famous for that. But this time, we have a whole different set of activists here. Um, We're assembled in the Midwestern Conference for the SSDP at Students for Sensible Drug Policy. We're here with, uh, I don't know how many people here. There's uh, dozens and dozens of us out here right now. And uh, one of our listeners that contacted us started one of these chapters, so that's pretty cool. He's the director of his own chapter. He's out at the conference as well. Um, We had some breakout sessions. We've got a few uh, really decent speakers we had yesterday. This is a a weekend conference. And uh, I think a little bit later in the show, I might be able to share some decent interviews with a couple of these folks. Nice. What's that? I said, what's up on you guys' end? Oh, uh, same old stuff, man. Just, uh, making a radio show, you know? Dude, uh, 203 passed. Did you hear? Uh Uh-huh. I did hear that. It's amazing. Can you imagine being at a conference like this and somebody steps in and goes, Hey, everybody, (laughs) 203 passed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it did, it did, did the news change while you've been there basically too. I mean, it's, it's just over the weekend. right type of place to be the only thing better than this would be a bigger version of this you know so, right yeah it's pretty awesome, right. pretty awesome. cool so, 15, so is, the Nas- oh, is the national guard there no they're not here thank goodness so <laughs> you're pretty sure nobody's gonna get shot this weekend right <laughs> we're bargaining on it it's a pretty big <laughs> deal though they have a visual about that thing still to this day uh every year here at this university and they do uh they do a, a big, they just did a big anniversary um, thing and they've got like all kinds of plaques and monuments and all kinds of stuff commemorating it. You know, it's a pretty interesting piece of history that I hope. Sure. What, 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 what year did that happen again? What year did you say? Um, in 1970, I believe it was May 4th of 1970. My dad was in, right. was in, my dad was in college then. I believe they shut down most colleges across the country after that happened. It was a big deal. You know, yeah, a big deal. Protest going on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It would, uh, I would say maybe we get it better, get motivated to that level with uh, ca- uh, cannabis policy reform, but I don't know if we want the anything that would involve the National Guard coming out to 
Shut yeah. We've got some stories about some pot protests in New Zealand later on. We've been getting some good uh, emails from uh, the Tongan Ninja. I don't know if you've seen any of those flowing yeah. through, but we've been, been getting some emails from him. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it was exactly the, the antithesis of, of this event that happened historically here at Kent State, um, the thing that just recently happened out in New Zealand. So that was a, that's refreshing to see that they can behave the law enforcement community can behave and let people, you know, exercise their rights. Sure. Yeah. But we were, man, I were talking about that before the show. It's crazy that, uh, nothing bad went down there, that the cops were able to have a little discretion there and let people, uh, do their thing. Cause, um, I, we're going to, we're going to actually get to some, some clips related to that later in the show. Um, yeah, we got some, uh, some California, a, a, a pretty, pretty brief California update for what we've been doing for the long, you know, for the longest, I got an update on Mark Emery. He's being bounced around from jail to jail. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Um, and, uh, got some East coast news today. Oh, I see that there's some DEA agents going around spreading fearful propaganda in Illinois. Have you caught a whiff of that, Jamie? Imagine that. Yeah, that's generally happening all the time. There's uh there's some people from Quad Cities. The guy's name is Endress and we've been just we just had a breakout session where we actually talked about him and are forming a task force to confront him on uh on honest grounds where we can have an honest conversation and discuss those issues with him. He's telling that's people him. that if you have a medical cannabis legislation that, that the criminals are gonna come in and set up the whole oh, system. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he it's had he had some lady at the bottom of this story believing it. She said, "If this legislation passes, Aurora will be trashed, and my neighborhood will be the first to go." So they got right. you know people are buying right. what he's what he's selling. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep, that's that's, uh, uh, that's a problem. That's a big problem. He's hurting a lot of people that we all care about. So we'll uh, yep. we'll address that issue for sure. Good, good. Um, got a look, got a, I've got an update over a court battle um, of a med patient that was fired in, Wal- in at a Walmart in Michigan. Um, and we've hey, got obviously, uh, what's that? There's a, here, here's a little, here's a little hint of what we got going on here. This is just our small delegation. This is just some folks from Illinois. Uh, hey guys, show them what it sounds like. Show them what it sounds like when some con- some concerned individuals get together for a good cause. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's just a small little. That's just our personal group of people from Illinois. That's just a small, tiny fraction of who's here. Hey. Uh, nice. Yep. For sure. Sounds for sure. Sounds like a but, sounds uh, like a fun time. Uh, sounds like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check in with us later, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get some interviews on here. Um, okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. What? What do, you, what do you got? You've got a couple. You definitely have a couple interviews already, right? You got one with. Uh, yeah, we got a have. representative, Kenny Yuko. Uh, we got a couple uh-huh. people. We got a gentleman here from Oklahoma. We got some. We got somebody coming in from uh, uh, West Virginia that's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in their scene. Um, Kenny Yuko is from, uh, he was one of our speakers yesterday. He was from, uh, Ohio. He's a representative from the 128th assembly in, in Ohio, and he has sponsored medical, uh, legislate medical cannabis legislation in the state. Um, he did a brief interview and we also had Howard Rotz. He's from uh, leap, um, who we, we talk about frequently on this program. So, uh, uh, look forward to sharing those later in the show, guys, I'm going to get back to the chaos and the fun and, uh, We'll check in a little bit later and let you know uh, how things are going. 
Sounds good. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Rock, man. Have a great show. See you. Definitely. Cool. So there's Jamie. Yeah, there's sounds- Jamie calling in on our uh, 707-654-CAN line, which is 2266. Um, you guys can call and leave voicemails anytime. And when we are live, that's the number you'd call. We're not live today, obviously. So, Dude, it sounds like um, he is having a blast. Yeah, he sounds he sounds excited and energized, right? Yeah, totally. I wish I was there. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was there. I wish I was down at that medical cannabis uh-huh. cup down in San Francisco. I really wanted to go. That seemed really fun, dude. Yeah, I need to go. I want to go judge one of those things sometime yeah, it'd be soon. Fun to be a be a judge for sure. I think but, my palate is there. Right, your palate. But like you were saying, you it, it would be hard to judge potency at one of those things because well, like, like I mean how- they they even they even have like edibles and everything i don't i mean <laughs> uh oh i mean i think i think they give you your sample pack like the night that you arrive before the show like so if i went down there tonight or if i went down there last night i've gotten my sample pack last night but i mean the competition's done by like 10 o'clock at night tonight uh-huh. so that you, you, I mean, so you get a lot you have of 24 crap. hours to judge whatever you're going to judge huh that's a lot of grass and a lot of hash and a lot of food, dude, you know? So it'd be hard for me to make it through that um, and still be able to talk to people. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, you know, I, I, if, when it comes to effects, it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of everything. I'm couch locked and I'm, I'm running around crazy. Can't stop talking. Am I hungry? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll eat some uh, of these my, brownies. <laughs> Uh, wait, um, it just would get confusing as far as like the high goes, you know, yeah. um, for trying bunches of different types. Like you have to go from indica to sativa to mix to food to hash to, whoa, whoa, it's getting a little funny here. How long, you know? how long is the cannabis cup in Amsterdam? It, it's, it's like over it's like a, a week long. A week, yeah. So you have plenty of time at, at that thing to, to get all your, all your ducks in a row, so to speak. And do you think it works the same way? You just pay a certain price and you get to be a judge there? I think or do you so. think they invite? No, I think, yeah, I think you pay a certain price and you can be a judge. So that's all it takes to be a judge. Yeah, you go there and I don't, I don't remember what it is, but uh, it's probably pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one down in San Francisco was 250 for like the regular judge or 350 for the VIP judge. Now, what did that get you in terms of like uh, judgeable? <laughs> it products it made it, it well it okay so they said that every vip this so i was reading I, I was reading about the vip pass and they said that the vip pass gets you um a grinder papers a personal vaporizer maybe a pipe as well and then it gets you a sample of everything mm-hmm. but if they're giving you a grinder and papers it makes me think that each sample must have at least enough to roll a joint mm-hmm. so of every strain that's entered in the competition i would guess you at least have a joint's worth of of uh that product and, and maybe um, maybe a bowl pack and a vaporizer packs worth as well yeah so so i mean so then again I, like there's 15 different strains entered in the entire competition which i'd have to guess there is mm-hmm. it sounds like you get you know at least a half a, ounce to an ounce right. of weed or something yeah, at least a gram of each huh right and i think that it said that you get a little dose of edibles with whatever's entered in too and then you know so um sounds like a high time yeah it does sound like fun <laughs> a high time <laughs> yeah you know i mean and it would be really really fun networking and uh interesting to 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 be able to 
be part of that process. I totally want to do it someday. I, I didn't learn about this one until like Thursday night, which mm-hmm. just wasn't quite enough time for me to plan the six hour trip and all that. But, um, you know, uh, it, they're happening more and more out here in Cali. So I'm going to be a part of one Sunday and, and yeah, the big one, obviously it's always been my dream to make it to one of my dreams to make it to the cannabis cup in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. So yep. hopefully, hopefully yep, someday yep. maybe, and y'all be there with us when we do do it, when we get there. Um, yeah. So no Jamie kind of today on the show guys. Um, but we will get through, we have a pretty good show lined up. He's going to, uh, chime back in with some interviews um we've got uh like i was saying we got california updates we've got some stuff on new zealand uh uh today um we're definitely going to be talking about uh prop 203 passing in arizona um and uh some midwest news some some uh topics barely worth any of our time and um yeah some east coast stuff too we definitely have some east some of the east coast scoop going on today um, you guys uh, have been great about contacting us lately. We really, really appreciate all the emails, all the feedback, everything we've been doing. Keep on, uh, keep on coming with that stuff. Uh, you can check out our website, CannabisAgenda.com. Our email is info at CannabisAgenda.com. Uh, like I was saying earlier when we got the line with uh, Jamie, he was on our, uh, on our phone line, which is 707-654-CAN, C-A-N-N, which is uh, 2266. You can call anytime and leave a voicemail, and uh, we'll play it on the show if you'd like. Um, and then when we are going live, which we are discussing, uh, potentially bringing the, the agenda to you live uh, at some point in the future again, uh, and potentially as, our, as a permanent fixture, it's still discussing. But when we are live, that's the number you'd call in. Um, iTunes, uh, podcasts are the best kind on iTunes, I think, because then they're, if, if you subscribe, they're available to you when they're ready and then you can listen to it at your convenience. Um, you can, uh, search for us, uh, at, uh, you just on iTunes search cannabis agenda and you said you can search the cannabis agenda now too, right? You sure can. You sure can. Yeah. And you can also, um, leave reviews for us. That'd be great. Um, you know, be honest with, with your reviews, but if you, if you wouldn't mind, please use the word marijuana in your reviews. We're trying to boost our ratings on iTunes and it's seeming to work some, uh, just so that we're easier to find under the word marijuana. We're very easy to find under the word cannabis when you're searching for podcasts, but not as easy under marijuana, although it's, we're there now. So, um, but yeah, if you could keep doing that, that'd be great. And we appreciate those of you that have done it already. Thank you so much. Um, Twitter and Facebook, check us out on both, like us on Facebook, suggest us to, to your friends. Um, and, uh, you can like individual shows on Facebook as well. So if you like an episode, you can click like, and it probably will post it in like your, uh, um, act, recent activity or whatever on Facebook. Um, we're experimenting with, uh, a, with a stream currently. It streams like our four most recent episodes. Isn't that right? Yeah, it actually doesn't right now because I haven't updated it, but it should. Okay, so we are um, we are uh, uh, experimenting with that. Um, what do you what do you got? You can listen on your cell with this. You can tune in from your computer and many of your cell phones. That's yeah, what you're saying here. Yeah, like, I know with the uh, the iPhone. Uh, there's I couldn't even tell you what the app is. There are probably a few of them that let you tune into these uh, these IceCast streams online. So cool. Yeah, that's cool. So you can listen from your phone nowadays. Sweet. Um, and then, uh, the other thing I, I want to remind everybody is, uh, we do post our, our show notes on our website, cannabisagenda.com. You can look at the show, uh, you can click on 
all the stories that we're covering are anywhere we're getting any of our um, our information. So uh, it's 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 it can be useful to you guys. Uh, we'd love the feedback. We appreciate. It. We've been getting feedback. We got a tobacco and pot pot email, Matt. This uh, yeah, right up well, your alley too. well, yeah. I handed you that uh, that spliff last week on the show, and you were you didn't want it. Well, you know, I smoke spliffs with you sometimes. Yeah, too. sometimes that's why I offered, but I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't tell you that it had tobacco in it because we were on the air. But you knew immediately, and you didn't want it, and which is cool. Um, but yeah, I, think I have my, I have my days, you know, when I want them and when I don't. Sure, so. yeah. Uh, uh, James from England, you know, they, they always, they always roll tobacco with their herb in England over there, uh, and in right. um, a lot of Europe, I, I believe. Um, but he writes in James, uh, from England, he says, yo, I'm from England. And the only way to properly enjoy a dube is mixing tobacco. The method is one layer of backy, <laughs> backy as he calls it, tobacco, a layer of pot, then another layer of tobacco. We don't do it. Uh, we don't know any other way. Uh, I love your show and I'm always listening. Um, so that sounds like a lot of tobacco to me personally. That's like a cigarette. Yeah, with a little bit. Personally, I like it about the other way uh, around. You know, some weed and then a little bit of tobacco and then maybe a little more weed on top. So you just, so what is it, the flavor? Just a little bit of tobacco flavor? or is No, it, no, I like the nicotine. I'm, I'm addicted. You're addicted. <laughs> You're addicted to nicotine. Well, I'm, I, don't th- I don't know if I'm, in, yeah, sure, I'm addicted. I'll admit it. But you're not addicted to pot. Um, I don't know. That's, it's, it's like, uh, I don't really crave pot. Like I crave nicotine when I don't know. Although it's funny, like I I can, if I go and do it, if I'm not just sitting around in my house, like if I go out and do something, I don't really, I don't need to smoke. In fact, I don't, I don't really smoke cigarettes at all. I just, I, I don't know. I smoke nicotine sometimes. No cigarettes, just straight nicotine. <laughs> well, with the with the with the with the herb, you know. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. I I I gotta admit, I smoke a cigarette here or there, and uh, have since I was young. Quit for like many years. Kind of always go back to them through tough times in my life, and then drop them again as soon as I'm through a rough patch. I know I'm gonna get. I know I'm gonna know. hear it. Emails, I'm gonna hear it on this. <laughs> But but uh, I am from Kentucky. I mean, you know, shit. I was smoking by the time I was two years old. It's just a thing to do there. So it's it's cool. It's too bad Jamie's not here because he would uh, be. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've told him that I've been smoking a cigarette here or there lately. Well, he knows. <laughs> he'll know by the time he listens to the show. I know. It's funny because we got another uh, email from the uh, uh, the Tongan Ninja who was saying what. Dude, tobacco, <laughs> gross. Stick to the reefer, man. Yeah, for you know? sure. And and it's like it's funny because that's New Zealand, and then I mean, like I don't know here, and there's that big of a difference just there between, like, like I know New Zealand's right near Australia, and they're like heavily connected with the Brits, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think they're all under the Queen. Right, and um, and so in Britain. You know, people smoke herb and tobacco, and then obviously not as many people do that in uh, Australia and, and New Zealand. But then again, I, I don't know. Maybe there's huge difference between the two places. Hey, we, we appreciate the info you've been sending us to, man, from uh, New Zealand. It was good to get some, uh, some updates on uh, what the situation is out there. It sounds like you guys have crazy whack laws, and I'm really sorry that you have to smoke random, random bags. 
Um, that sucks, dude. Could be indoor, could be outdoor. Some have seeds, some don't. Some airy, some tight, some sticky, some not. Some full of seeds. Ouch. Uh, that sucks, man. I, I would I would have guessed that that there would be a little bit better herb out that way, but it sounds like you got to smoke what you get. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you know about Cinderella 99? He's asking about that. You know a little bit about C99, don't you, Matt? Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you what its uh, genetic lineage is. Um, I can tell you that it's a fast flowering, um, uh, so indica predominant strain. It's uh, the buds are very sweet and really sticky. It's not a producer. Um, it's a mite magnet. Um, and it, it tastes lovely. How do you think a plant can be a mite magnet? I, I mean, you how? know, I don't know, but some plants just seem to be, I don't know if they're more susceptible to the mites or if the mites are more attracted to them, but this one they love. I can tell you that. You sure that it didn't have anything to do with methods and practices? No, uh-uh. I mean, side by side with other plants. Really? Uh, and it, yeah, I, I've experienced that with with um with other genetics as well. For example, I think the purple urkel. I, I think that's very mite resistant. Uh huh. Um, I'm. I just. I don't know if they are if they don't like something in the leaf or if they're you know if they're tougher leaves and they have a hard time harder time penetrating them or what the deal is. You remember that chemo strain? Yeah, uh-huh. That thing got eaten alive. <laughs> that was like the worst ever as far as my, that's like the worst mite my, my damage I've ever seen was on that. Those were just webs all over the bud, thick ones. They were marching like ants, dude. About millions Ugly, of them. dude. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know how many of you guys have ever seen that before. It's a scary sight, man. Like, I don't, I, I don't, you almost want to like burn the damn building down. <laughs> they're tough to them. They're that once once they're to that point, it's it's done. Yeah, I I haven't seen it that bad in years. Thank thank God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I I'm a preventive. Pre, I work on the preventative side of things myself nowadays. Learned your lessons, right? Totally. From yeah, it hits hard. And people, the thing that's crazy about bugs that new growers don't understand is you have to really look for them. You can just think, oh yeah, everything looks great. Look, put your reading glasses on, homie. <laughs> totally, yeah. Have a magnifier, dude. <laughs> Check it out. You probably got some sort of bug somewhere. I bet you, if you look hard enough, you'll find something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, that's the thing. A lot of people, like, don't realize it until they can see it with their naked eyes, not trying to see, not looking for it very hard. Yep. Once it's got to that point, you are effed. Yep. Yep. So. So, uh, thanks, Tonga Ninja. We will be looking up Dr. Green. Dr. Green, I guess, has uh, got one the only uh, uh, cannabis club there in New Zealand, and he in, was in charge of the march that you guys had uh, just recently this week. Um, we're going to get to that today. We, I think you used some of the links to put on some clips and stuff, right? Yeah, we got some clips. We're going to be uh, uh, hearing all about the, uh, the, the protest or uh, whatever you want to call it later on in the show. Sweet, sweet, yes, sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, we, we love hearing from you guys. Always appreciate it. Oh, 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 oh. We also have to mention we did we did get another email from Rusty Shackelford. Almost forgot about that one. But uh it's one of our new listeners out of Denver. Um and um 
Oh, and another, he was asking about a, the documentary. Have you seen that documentary that he was asking about? Do you even oh, know what email? Um, yeah, I totally forgot about that email. Uh, but yeah, um, the union? Hemp Revolution. Oh, uh, different email. So no, I don't know if I saw that one, dude. Okay, well, this came from Rusty Shackelford, who's our, one of our new listeners in uh, uh, Denver area. Uh-huh. And uh, he was asking us about a movie that was made in 1995, Hemp Revolution. He says it's available on Netflix. Uh, I have not seen this. Um, there's a few interviews with Terrence McKenna in it and it takes, you don't really get into it about halfway, but he said, it's really good once you get past there. Um, you know, he says, got some good laughs too, some naked hippie chicks with total crazy carpet bush and an LSD like trippy scene. So (laughs) says it's worth a watch. We will, uh, we take, we definitely take recommendations and we watch some, uh, whatever we, when people recommend, uh, things. So I'll, I'll look for hemp revolution. Another one that was on uh, Netflix that I have watched, um, it was, uh, talking to the, the union, uh, the business behind getting high. Yeah, I have, we have seen now and I actually watched it twice cause I forgot that I saw it, watched it again. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think there's a lot of, I mean, it's, you know, a little, um, what'd you think of the union? You know, it's been, I think it's been over a year since I've seen it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember, um, uh, enough that I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's about, it, it's basically about the, the, um, industry in um, the marijuana industry in British Columbia and they call it a union because they're everybody benefit how how so many different people benefit from it from cars being bought to groceries being bought to you know this that and they were talking you know it was a big it was they're looking into um, a lot of uh, how the money flows how the industry works etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, I thought it was a pretty good flick um, and, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've watched it and, you know, recommend it to, I recommend most weed documentaries to people, even the ones that are kind of inflammatory because they all have a lot of truth in them. Sometimes it's just a matter of how it's laid out. Like the stuff that's been done on MSNBC and yeah. C, they, they spend way too much time focusing on robberies and houses burning down and this and that they, they go with the, the sensationalized stuff, which occurs, but only as a small percentage of the total and but then it takes up half of their show which makes it seem like it's half of the story which it's not so um you know i think that i think all these things you need to to take uh you know uh take what you can out of all of them but not not ever look uh, at them as too encompassing and actually there's a i was gonna get to this in california news there's someone working on a, a new uh new documentary um about how, how things work here in Humboldt County. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, what else we got going on, man? Um, looks like we're actually ready to move into California news California. today. Not as much news as there was, um, when, uh, yeah, but there's still some, uh, some news. And, and the first thing I wanted to start off with is, uh, we did over, we didn't absolutely overlook it. We covered it. Um, when it happened, and we've talked about it a couple times since it happened. But, uh, you know, we were very focused. Everyone was very focused on Prop 19. However, as of January 1st, um, pot smokers in California can breathe a little easier. They, um, under new state law, the possession of less than one ounce marijuana uh, will be an infraction only, punishable by a $100 fine, which means it's not even a misdemeanor, which it is today. 
um, under an ounce, uh, used to be a misdemeanor. It was just a, it was just a fine, but it was a misdemeanor. Now it's an infraction, um, which we do, which means we don't know how that works. Does it go on your driving record or what? But, uh, SB 1449 was passed by the state legislator and signed by government it goes in effect on, uh, January 1st. And, um, yeah, it basically decriminal decriminalized up to an ounce. So now you just get a fine for up to an ounce uh, in California. Um, I personally believe that this is a big, big step uh, forward um, in California. And uh, there are some, some people that worry about it because uh, a lot of times in the past, if you get caught with less than an ounce, um, you could ask for a jury trial. And in a lot of cases, the court would be so bogged down that whenever someone used this method, they just throw your, your case out because they don't want to take you to a jury trial for less than an ounce of marijuana. Now that it's an infraction, you can have a trial by judge, but you can't have a trial by jury. Really? So, right. So in the past, you, if you were smart enough or you paid enough money for a good attorney or you knew, you could ask for a trial by jury, which meant they're probably going to throw your possession case out, which means you end up with no charge. Now, if you get this infraction, it's just an infraction, and you can't have a trial, but it's a trial by judge, and they probably just do it like right there. And you probably pretty much are going to have the infraction on your record. But then again, like we don't understand how infractions really work on people's records because typically we just use them for driving things, which don't matter. I mean, you know, as much like when you're applying for a job or whatnot. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. But that's uh, that's what the situation is here in uh, Cali now. Um, what do you think of that, dude? That's pretty cool. I didn't realize it was uh, it wasn't going in a, into effect until January first. I kind of right. I kind of figured it happened like the day after uh, the day after he signed it into law. No, that, that I guess didn't. Not. Oh well. Nope. Oh well. Yeah. Right. What can you do, man? What can you do? Um, yeah. So I was just mentioned this a minute ago. Uh, there is a, a filmmaker um, who's been up here working on a documentary to try and capture kind of how the pot trade works up in Humboldt County. Um, got He basically follows a group of trimmers around and talks with some different growers and stuff in this. And uh, he's trying really hard to get a real glimpse of what it's like up here. Um, he uh, goes to some different growers um, he, um, they talk about, there's a big, uh, a big kind of part of it is, is prop 19 while they're filming this, this movie. Uh, so they talk about prop 19 a lot and ultimately they b- believe that uh, prop 19's lack of success was not because of some greedy pot growers, but because of fear of the unknown. I would probably agree that if, if you look at the, the, the major reasoning there, the, Fear of the unknown is probably the biggest one with it failing. Wouldn't you think so too? Oh yeah, there is there is so much fear and um, uh, you know a lot of scare scare tactics used um, uh, just to scare the bejesus out of the people in the industry up here about you know the what 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 would have happened if Prop 19 would have passed. Right. So and and so here's the thing. So here's where I get in with this because I do believe that there are some greedy people behind pushing those politics sometimes. Absolutely. So, so the reason it failed is because of fear of the unknown, because a lot of people were fearful of what was going to happen. But a lot of the rhetoric that ended up getting pushed around may have been pushed around by some 
by some greedy people. I believe, you know, I'm not so sure that, 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 that didn't occur, but the, I, the majority of reason is, is people were just totally scared of what they didn't know. And what we don't know is what's going to happen. But in, in the movie, uh, what they point out, what shows a lot is that things don't really change. Um, it looks like it, even though this prop 19 was going on, we just had another season, just like any other season, you know, and uh, things keep on rolling around here. So it'd be interesting to, uh, to to take a look at that when that's available. Just want to let everyone know that it is happening. So there will be, be a, a documentary out, and hopefully it'll be a really good one on this area. So uh, once it's available, we'll let you know, and uh, everyone can check it out. Cool. Um, you've got a, uh, a clip here f- from a medical marijuana information center. Yeah, down in Orange County. Um, okay. What's this all about? So, well, th- this guy, he, he he grows, and I do believe he runs a collective, but um, because collectives aren't allowed to uh, refer people to doctors, mm-hmm. um, th- this, uh, him and it lo- looks like uh, another guy um, have have founded uh, an organization that, that they are allowed to refer people to who can, you know, patients to who can help them um, find a doctor then. Okay. So he can refer patients to the information center and then the information center can refer them to the doctor. You got it. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how it's funny how they really want to make it hard on us, man. It's got to earn it. (laughs) Got to earn it. People. There's no messing around. If you're in the cannabis industry, we're going to make you jump through so many hoops before it's a legitimate, normal process. Of course. Oh, of check course. it out. Here's the clip. Yeah. I'm Chad McKean, and I'm the president and founder of Other Side Farms. I use medical marijuana because, um, honestly, it's probably the safest thing there is for the ailments that I have. Any type of psychological drugs, any type of uh, painkillers are more damaging to me than marijuana. My name is Jordan. Uh, Along with my father, I own Go Green Medical Evaluations in Costa Mesa, which is a uh, medical marijuana evaluation office. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's a nice therapeutic thing that people can uh, use to improve the quality of their life. Uh, Go Green Medical Evaluations works uh, pretty closely with Otherside Farms and we are able to send our patients down to Otherside Farms for information on what the next step would be. Uh, in the medical cannabis arena, doctors, are their hands are sort of tied. We're not allowed to dispense cannabis or recommend where they get it, but if we send them to an information center that can assist them, uh, that way we, don't, we are not sending the patient out in the cold. They actually have a place to go and learn and, and, and continue on with their, their journey and and switching over to medicating with uh, medical cannabis. We grow medicine for our own collective because uh, we, we're in control. It's quality control. There, there's no regulation in this industry, so we grow in labs, you know, and we grow consistent, uh, safe medical marijuana with uh, no pesticides, no harmful chemicals, no, um, there's no mildew or mold or anything like that. And uh, that's why we want to teach people to grow like that. Uh, people always say, you know, are you creating competition by teaching people how to grow like you do? Sure I am. But more importantly, I'm making sure that there's a lot of good medicine out there. That's more important. I'm on the open. I know I'm a really good grower, a uh, really, really good grower, and I can teach 
people how to grow exactly like I do. And to me, when you can teach somebody to do the exact same thing, then you're good. But the whole cool thing about this place here is we make sure that we, we try to have the best people around that we can. You know, we want to be the best. We want to be the best of service to people. Other side's other side. We'll always, we'll always, uh, we'll, we'll be fine. I think it's more important than good medicines out there. And, and that's why we give away a lot. That's why we teach. That's why we do what we do. That's why they do what they do. He seems oh, like a really bad. nice guy, huh? <laughs> and that, that music, man. <laughs> the rest of the day, dude, all day long. <laughs> it's almost time for me to take a bong rip now. <laughs> yeah, to get you on that level, huh? Yeah. Speaking of doctors, I got to redo my, I got my appointment, uh, I believe, next, uh, next week. Soon. Soon, I say. Cool. Coming soon. Coming soon yeah. to a doctor near you. Yeah, that's that man. And see, those sorts of things are part of the thing where it's kind of the annoyance of it. It's like you have to keep up with that. What if you forgot? You know what I mean? How would that work? So let's say I forgot to renew it exactly when it needed to be renewed. And then I got popped with an ounce and a half. Mm-hmm. Would, I, would I be just totally effed or would the courts consider the fact that I've had my 215 for the last seven years. And yeah, I think it would depend on where you were, you know, if you were in a place like San Diego or something, uh, uh, you might get prosecuted, um, up, you know, in, in Humboldt County, I think the district attorney is, is willing to work with, with people on stuff like that. And I've, I've even heard of cases where, um, someone having never had their medical, uh, recommendation before, um, getting arrested, uh, or cited, you know, at least and having to go to court. And, um, uh, upon arriving at court, they had, they had gone out and gotten their medical, uh, recommendation and the, the case had been, the case was then, uh, subsequently dropped. Right. That's cool. I heard about that too. I've heard someone say that before. Um, I mean, technically you're not supposed to do it that way, but they have done it that way when there were obvious medical needs for it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it, it just in some jurisdictions, you know, the 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 DA just doesn't want to waste waste the the court's time with with a case like that. Right, right. So that's speaking kind of, cool. of, yeah, speaking of court time and uh, wasting people's time, the city of Los Angeles likes to waste people's time mostly with their traffic, um, <laughs> and um, they uh, also like to waste a lot of people's time because they had nearly a thousand pot shops they tried to shut down over the last like year um with a city ordinance there um in that ordinance they had thought that it would keep open somewhere around um a hundred and uh well they were hoping that it'd be at least 70 um, but they were thinking that it would it would 130 would pass the muster of the of the criteria um but in fact um, it's bounced down to where it looks like only around 40 dispensaries will be able to pass the criteria. And the city council is, uh, thinking about moving forward on easing the stringent guidelines for this thing so that they can try and keep up to 140 dispensaries open. Um, one of the thing that they put in the ordinance that screwed it up for people. Well, okay. First of all, one of the things they put in there that screwed up for people are the crazy land use rules. 
You want them to be away from all. Re- there is barely anywhere in Los Angeles that's far enough away for from a residence to make this happen. And you're really, if anyone down there is listening, you're really putting a crappy, crappy burden on medical patients to have to travel so far and sit in so much traffic to um, to go to, to to go to the store. Um, when they used to have a shop in their neighborhood. Um, it's too bad that you guys couldn't have just done better at regulating what existed and made sure to, to, to make sure that, that the, 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 the shady ones weren't, weren't getting to stay open, but let the, the ones that were trying to do a good job stay open. But that's my rant on this situation. Um, what's happened down there is they put in a, a crazy land use, which made most of these most of these dispensaries have to go away, had to stop business because they were not in the right zones for their business anymore. Um, they also wanted uh, you had to have registered with the city before the 2007 moratorium. So if you'd opened after 2007 moratorium went in to effect, you were not allowed to stay open. Um, there were 180 people that that fit that criteria. The 2000 being open before 2007, but one of the the language in the in the ordinance said that there couldn't have been any change in ownership or management since the registration um, occurred. But prior to 2007, well, the problem with a lot of these places are is. At that time, they opened with one person, and then they added a new owner or something or new management. And if that happened now, none of them, even when they passed the land use stuff, they're, they weren't allowed to do it. So they're talking about changing, uh, amending that wording, and uh, it's so that still um, that ownership management requirement would be loosened so that there'd still have to be at least one primary owner or manager, but that you could have new owners and managers on there as well. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get the number back to at least 70 is what this for some reason the num this, the city's looking at the number seventy huh. and if if these this loosening does not uh, make it to where seventy remain, there will be a lottery to bring the number up to a cap of seventy so um right um so uh l a is been, i mean that's consist consistently a mess with this hasn't it <laughs> seventy is that's that's seven percent of the numbers of dis- number of dispensaries uh that there were at at one time. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they really, really cut it down. I, if you've ever been to LA, you know how much time you spend in a car, the fewer shops there are, the further you have to drive. It's a burden on medical patients. Um, but, um, they're hoping that it will make it more professional. There is some seedy stuff going on down there in LA. Isn't there, Matt? Uh, I've heard. That's what I've heard. And uh, it's good that that they're shooting for more professionalism. I just, I'm not sure that they've really got what they want out of this. And uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, we know that their sheriff down there is all hardcore against the whole pot thing in general. And Steve Cooley was too. And it's, it's been a major, a major, major fight down there in LA to keep, uh, to keep the legal pot scene going and uh, more power to everybody that's fighting that fight down there. Um, and, uh, another little LA update for people. I've heard that wholesale prices have dropped down there. So, uh, keep that in mind. Um, we got one more story in California today. Um, I wanted to bring this up. We, we, uh, we talked about this, um, last week. Um, the fact that prop 19 did not pass, but that, um, 
a lot of municipalities pass uh, tax uh, bills that are, you know, ordinances um, that will tax marijuana in local areas. A bunch of places did this. So now there's going to be sales tax collected on medical pot in California and different, different local areas and stuff throughout the state. But hey, Matt, isn't it illegal to sell pot in California? That's what I've heard. <laughs> today we're not going to pretend that we. Today, this is none of this is firsthand knowledge. Um, I've heard that growing marijuana is very fun. I've heard that too. I've heard that smoking it's fun too. Me too. I heard that as well. Um, we've been told that, haven't we? That, that, that we, we've been told. <laughs> We've been told that selling marijuana is illegal because it's supposed to be shared amongst collective members. Now, we all know that that's kind of not kind of that's kind of not true. <laughs> that's what I've heard anyway. <laughs> well, obviously the voters are saying BS because they want to collect sales tax on the sales that are obviously occurring, right? That's what's occurring. Pots being sold, right, Matt? Um, yeah, I, 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 I doubt that most of these places go through the accounting necessary to, to properly, uh, in, administrate themselves as not-for-profit organizations. Well, right. And they either grow their own product and then sell it, or they buy product from vendors and then sell it. I mean, you know, maybe some of them don't make a profit off of it, but sales are occurring is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, you could still have sales and be a not nonprofit or a not for profit, yes, right? Absolutely. absolutely. Uh huh. Okay. So, uh, well, for for example, imagine the local Girl Scout troop selling cookies. Yes. Right. They just tricked me with candy. I thought it was cookie time. Candy time. <laughs> oh, candy. Candy time's, candy time's not as good as cookie time. What's up with candy? That's lame. I don't know. Lame. It's, just another, just another, I, I got some chocolate covered raisins, but you know, yeah, weak sauce. So they're selling their candy and their cookies. They're selling it sales, mm -hmm. but it goes to a not for nonprofit organization. The, the, the proceeds go to a nonprofit organization, right? Correct. So you could technically do that with pot too, but I mean, it is happening with pot. And what people are saying is we want to collect, we want to collect uh, sales tax on it. So it's a weird one. I mean, I, I, I wonder if, if you could then say, well, I'm not paying taxes because I don't, we don't make sales. <laughs> we, we, we collectively own that. Do you think people will try that when tax season comes around? If, this goes? Well, yeah, if they're operating their business in accordance with California state law, they should be able to, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't this going to be an issue? This is one of those other things. It's a big, so I imagine that they're not talking, they're going to start taking they want to start collecting sales tax as of January 1st, probably. So these people want to collect sales tax. And I'm like, hey, I'm not paying you sales tax. I don't make sales. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? You know, mm -hmm. it's going to be a big issue, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, the drama of everything not being laid out black and white. Um, Although, would, would you prefer that it was laid out black and white? No, I mean, no, because they would have made it way too stringent, exactly. like what they're trying to do in, um, in Illinois or whatever, you know? So not that it, I mean, I, I don't want it all laid out black and white, but it, it's, it's, I think this whole collective nonsense is a ridiculous requirement. I think they should, I mean, ease up on that stuff. Like 
let let people do this for profit. It's let it be a normal business. I don't know what other businesses have had to deal with this sort of business arrangements like, oh, we'll let you do this, but you have to run it like a socialist c- company. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just, I, you know, still floored. Been talking about it for a long time on the show. Don't bring it up all the time, but yeah, it bothers me because it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, we get to have this legal market in California, but we, you know, are supposed to, it's, it's bad for us to make profit. It's good for BP to make profit. And for plastic companies to make profit, and for bomb makers to make profit, the pot pot growers and pot seller, no, no, Mm-mm. no, no, no profit for them. That's the, not good. It's the ever the always existing double standard. Total double standard, ridiculous. Sounds like they got double standards in New Zealand too, huh? We got some clips from the Wellington protest there. Yeah. So this is this is what uh, uh, Tonga Ninja was was talking to uh, to us about in his email. And, uh, we got a live feed. It's not live now, but it was live at the time, so it's a live feed. Right. We're returning now to tonight's top story, the pro-cannabis campaigners in Wellington. They've now arrived at the police station where Dan Parker is waiting to join us live. Dan, tell us what's going on. some following this. Is that a concern? Um, it's always a concern. We're only doing this because police have the power to arrest us for cannabis. If we had a legally regulated market, there wouldn't be any arrest. I mean, how stupid can people be? Well, that's all here from the Wellington Central Police Station, Mike, where police are just starting to throw everybody out of the atrium. So we get to go back to the studio now. Mike. <laughs> how crazy is that? How stupid can everybody be? <laughs> right. <laughs> we can't. It's funny. We can't talk like that in America. We can't call people stupid, or you're automatically like <laughs> you're not. You don't. You don't have any credibility. Uh, um, it sounds like a sounds like a sounds like a throwdown in Wellington's. What it sounded like to me, man. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't believe that no one has been arrested for this this stunt. We yeah we. Uh, here you'd get arrested for sure shot with rubber bullets or gassed or something don't you think oh yeah oh yeah i mean that's that's interesting that you guys are able to do that there i didn't think that the protesters themselves called it a cannabis bomb but they did that that guy he called it a cannabis bomb and i didn't actually see it but they took it inside the police station so while it was on while it was lit they took it inside i think they took it inside and then lit it and it's just a bunch of weed basically i, I think so it? yeah it was like they smoked out the police station i think so one of the things ninja was saying is that that's a bummer especially if it was good herb because there's not much going around there <laughs> <laughs> see Funny. i think that 
how, how do you feel about these kind of tactics with protests? Do you feel like they're, they do good for the cause or they, they actually work against it? I don't know. I don't think it would, I, it, it depends on the locale. I don't think it would, would, would fly in, in America. I think you'd turn a lot of people off. Right. It's kind of like PETA, right? Like the crap they've done mm-hmm. over the years, people have totally yeah. gotten turned off to their cause. But you know, um, in, 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 I don't know, it's like in, in, down there in New Zealand, they, they might be, uh, um, you know, a little, a little more, uh, libertarian minded and that, you know, that kind of thing might fly. I don't know. Sure. And I mean, it, it is a cultural thing. I mean, shit in, in Africa, people can like, some people light themselves on fire sure. for, uh, you know, as a protest. So, um, <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks. But, um, yeah, I think that it's, I think that you need to be very careful and making sure that you don't, your message isn't lost with these displays when you do them because the message is ultimately the most important thing. And you don't, you, you don't want people to think these are just a bunch of crazy lunatics who want to, who want to smoke pot and, um, look, look, they're insane. Look at them. They're insane. You see, it makes them crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's the, when it comes to cannabis, that's the part that we're, we're, we're trying to, 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 to prove to people that we're not, crazed maniac killers. And I don't know if lighting stuff on fire inside of police stations, um, proves that or not, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, the part we don't know is how much effect, uh, the cannabis movement's having over in New Zealand. Um, but, uh, we are officially interested in New Zealand politics now. So we got another clip there, right? Yeah, we got one more. Okay. Here it is. This afternoon they smoked it outside Parliament. Tonight pro-cannabis protesters lit up at the Wellington Central Police Station. More than 100 people took part in the protests and in contrast to at least one previous action, there were no arrests. Liz Piranum reports. Believe it or not, but this is the Wellington Central Police Station. And because of that, the high was always going to be short-lived. But to these pro-cannabis protesters, this is a victory. What do you think that's achieved, Al? Uh, well, I think we've shown that if we stand in solidarity, then the police will back down. Despite the protesters' actions, there were no arrests. We decided to take a peaceful approach, ask them to leave the station, which they complied with. Um, once they're out in the public area up there, they've got a right to protest. Earlier today, protesters marched to Parliament to demand a law change decriminalising cannabis. Rally organiser Dr Green says over a thousand New Zealanders are currently serving prison sentences for cannabis-only offences, and he's pleased that number wasn't increased today. I think it's an appropriate um, action on the police part. But inside the beehive, the mood wasn't as jovial, Police Minister Judith Collins wasn't impressed to learn what protesters had got away with. I'm sure if you look at the Policing Act you'll see that um, I'm not in the position to tell the police how to enforce the law. But I also know that if they do enforce the law in matters like that, there'll be plenty of people willing to criticise them doing so. That was the case in 1996 where a different approach by police ended in violence. Settle down and you'll be all right. Anyone that smokes marijuana and thinks that they're clever is stupid. How many people out there are stupid? But today the Green Party's Gareth Hughes was the only MP who attended the protest at Parliament and he was there in support. 
And while police took a gently, gently approach today, if protesters try more stunts like this one, chances are things might end very differently next time. Liz Paradam, 3 News. Wherever you go. <laughs> Love their accents. We're covering a lot of accents potentially in the show today. Um, you, yeah, stupid. <laughs> How many people out there? Stupid! You love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great. That's great. Yeah, we're uh, we love the updates on New Zealand. Um, Dacta Green is how they said it sounded like, and uh-huh. uh, I was saying Dacta. I thought it was like <laughs> Dacta Green. Dr. Green. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, we'll be following uh, more New Zealand stuff. Um, I got a Mark Emery update, although it's kind of a confusing update, and I've been following a lot of his stuff on my Facebook lately, actually. Um, he was in Seattle, SeaTac. Then I believe he was moved to Nevada, where he was waiting to be sent to Taft, California. Now he is being sent to a private prison in Georgia, and they... <laughs> <laughs> they capitalized Georgia in the on the Facebook update, probably because they're scared to death of him being in Georgia. <laughs> and a pri- what's a private prison all about? Uh, that's what I'm wondering too. What the deal is with this? That's um, sketch. He doesn't have access to anything right now. So, and it's been like this for a little bit. Um, he was, I believe, in Nevada. Now he is currently in Oklahoma City. At FTC Oklahoma City, um, Mark Scott Emery, number 40252-086. You can mail him the Federal Transfer Center, P.O. Box 898801, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73189. Please write him if you can, um, but they may get returned. So um, really what they want you to do is they want you to write your congressman and tell them uh, that the U.S. Justice Department should send Mark home to Canada. I think that they're starting to get a little freaked out about uh, prison tactics here in the United States, and um, perhaps they should be. So um, we hate that this is what you're dealing with, Mark. We're going to try and keep uh, updating on everyone as to where you are. And, yeah, if you guys have the time, please write your congressman. So um, is, and is he in communication with his wife at least? I, I, I think right now – uh, I think right now they're not, I haven't read whether they're getting to talk at all, but I don't think that the visit, I think that while they're in these transfer centers, everything, it's like being in purgatory again. Yeah. I can't Kinda imagine, like, I can't imagine being in a federal system like that. Right. Where they, they bounce you around and, um, there's, I mean, come on, there's gotta be political implications to all this, right? Like, oh, reasons yeah. Oh, why yeah. Starting to get bad. Well, I mean, well, so they know that, that we're potentially going to send them back to Canada. Now, all of a sudden, they start shifting them around and messing with them. You know, it's like, come on. What? You know, how much money are they wasting just moving them around and everything? But I don't know. And I don't know what's up with this private prison thing. I'll keep following, um, keep following the news related to Mark as uh, it comes in and let you guys know. Didn't really run into any stories this week. From the southern part of the United States, you know, my home home area. Uh-huh. But uh, I believe Jamie is going to have an interview with uh, some guys at this conference from Oklahoma and potentially West Virginia as well. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, connect with Jamie and and, and uh, hear from that interview. Cool. Let's get him on the line. 
All right, Jamie Cass, I'm checking back in at the Midwestern SSDB Conference at Kent State University in Ohio. We got a couple of uh, representatives here from two states that we don't hear a lot about that are certainly pertinent to our listeners, uh, to the interest of, of our format that we try to cover. Um, we try to let people know what's going on in different people's neck of the woods. You, you've heard me repeatedly say international listeners call in. I, I, I continue to urge you to do that. Um, any state that has something going down, new legislation breaks open, anything is happening with any significance um, in your state, please let us know. Drop us a line, 707-654-CAN, uh, that's C-A-N-N, and let us know what's going on. With me now is uh, Garrett Overstreet from Oklahoma. How's it going, man? Going good. Good, going good, good. good. Um, and Justin Lawrence, he's from West Virginia. Going great in West Virginia. Cool. I'm glad you guys could take a couple seconds to uh, share this with us. We're actually just about to get on the road and wrap it up for today, so it's good we could fit this in. What we want to do is I'm going to give it to uh, Garrett Overstreet from Oklahoma and then Justin from uh, West Virginia in that order. And you guys just let us know briefly what's going down in your state, man. What's the climate like? Well, as related to cannabis, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there in Oklahoma, uh, we have some pretty draconian drug laws as for across the board. Um, but with the uh, uh, cannabis laws, especially, it's extremely uh, it's extremely important. Sorry, uh, never used this before. Anyways, it's 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 ex extremely important to uh, you know make sure that we change things there in the Midwest, Oklahoma. Like I say, uh, we don't have a lot of these types of conferences. We don't have a lot of these types of people. We don't have a lot of these uh, various activists and you know people that are willing to get involved on a Saturday and a Sunday. You know to come. You're not typically seeing people dress up like a six-foot bud and walk down the street saying "Free the weed." Yeah, well, you know, not not unless it's Halloween. Um, no, in Oklahoma, there's a lot of people that are really scared to come out, you know, about their their open use, um, and it's just you know, okay. things are you know just definitely um, far behind. Um, we have uh, you know mandatory minimum sentences, you know, for. Uh, people on a, you know, for a very small amount, just in a certain area. Uh, we have, um, you know, second time is a felony. And, you know, it, it's just, it's really different because, you know, a lot of people there, like I say, just have a different mindset than somewhere in, uh, even in Missouri or uh, some of the other surrounding states. But, um, you know, we're hoping to do something to change a little bit about that. So I'm walking down the street. I have a one marijuana cigarette. Mm -hmm. A uh, police officer notices and stops me. Am I likely to get a, hey, man, you can't do that, I'm going to get a ticket? Or am I going to go to jail and get jacked up? It, depending on the state, uh, depending on the city, you know, like, yeah. and whether or not you're black or white. Uh, really? <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a huge, significant uh, racial injustice there. Right now, actually, um, the white population make up about 70-plus percent, whereas the black population makes up less than 12, yet the black population makes up over 24 percent of the arrests. Yeah. So it's obviously... Oh, yeah, a little skewed. Wow, that's something. All right, man. Well, uh, you know, I love I love you. I'm glad to be involved with you in this stuff, and we'll stay in touch. But I'm surely, I'm sure as hell, never going to move down to Oklahoma. <laughs> that's for sure. Thanks, Not until you get done with your business down oh, there. You know, there until it's done. Absolutely. Take care, man. Yeah. And this is just Justin. He's going to tell us a little bit about what's going down in West Virginia. I mean, right now in West Virginia, it's a pretty conservative state. There isn't much of a conversation going on about uh, medical marijuana, but. What we're trying to do is, uh, you know, get that conversation started. And um, by one of the things we're researching is in 2002, there was a legislation passed for the industrialization of hemp 
to be processed in the state of West Virginia. Unfortunately, there haven't been any permits issued for that. And what we're going to do is explore those options and how about to go about doing things like that in the, in the state. Because uh, like all of the other states, there's, they're looking for revenue resources. And we believe that you know, through medical marijuana, through the industrialization of hemp, there are some uh, very big opportunities to capitalize on mm -hmm. certain situations like that. And, um, the state of West Virginia, like I said, uh, it hasn't had much conversation, but the conversation's getting started, and, and more and more people are talking about it. So. Okay, here's your scenario. We're hanging out with some good friends or family, you know, some loved ones, um, chilling out, relaxing, enjoying a little bit of cannabis in the evening. Uh, the smell wafts outside. Somebody catches wind of it, uh, a, a citizen. Are they going to call the police right away? Um, a police officer himself catches wind of it. What's going to happen from there, typically, in West Virginia? I would say it really depends on the part of the, of the, uh, the state that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, there are the university cities, Morgantown, um, Huntington, Charleston. Um, they're a little bit more liberal in some cases, but at the same time, you know, you need to be smart about where you're, uh, you know, partaking in some activities. So I would say that um, you just really need to you know, pay attention to where you're at. Uh, you know, you can't trust anything in some cases. So. Right. So um, I would be on your toes in West Virginia, for sure. In West Virginia, we certainly will. And I'm pretty certain that I'm not in any time in the near future going to be moving to West Virginia as well. But as it is with Gordon, I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful to meet you guys and uh, to you know keep in touch with you and keep working with you on these efforts. So right. keep up the great work, man, and it's good talking to you. Good talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jamie. We appreciate the interview. It sounds like a super good time down there, man. I, I wish we were uh, able to attend. Um, uh, maybe next year. These are, these are, you, you like SSDP, right? They're one of your favorite, uh, organizations right now, aren't they? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they've, uh, they're, they're doing a lot and, and it seems like they do a really good job of keeping students, um, students into this movement, which is great. Cause I know that, that, uh, like normals had some, had some success, like you guys did normal, normal, mm -hmm. but I mean, like even here at Humboldt state, it, it basically, faded away here. So, uh, you know, it's a good thing that they're an organization that's, that's does focus so much on, on, on students, you know, you know, at the, uh, um, at the, like at the individual level, I think it's, maybe it's less of a problem nowadays, but, um, I, I think, um, it, it's always kind of been a, a thing with these drug policy student groups for them to spring up and then fall, you know, die, die back and then spring back up a couple of years later and then die back over, you know, over the years. Really? That's yeah. kind of been normal. Yeah. Another group that we're looking at, we got some uh, news, uh, some the national spotlight news from the feds. Really looking at what MPP's doing. They got a they got a new uh, pro a new campaign, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're okay. So check this out. MPP says that they want to have how many how many um, how many states do we have with uh, uh, medical marijuana right now? Fourteen. Four. Well, if you count Arizona, now fifteen. And and the yeah. District of Columbia. Okay, yeah. So yeah. fifteen now. The MPP says by 2012, they want to have 26 medical marijuana states. Wow, it sounds like a lofty goal. That's what, that's what I think, too. And they're talking about states like Arkansas, Idaho, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Again, they're going to try. Well, does that mean like they're going to try in the initiative process there, or they are going to try and have legislature pass laws by 2012. You know, I'm not sure. I think they just announced this campaign and the, the details aren't out quite yet. But, uh -huh. um, but yeah, they've, uh, they're putting it out there. That's for sure. Uh, wow. We need to talk with someone there on their strategy because that's, that's, 
that sounds like a lot of change in a little bit of time. Totally. Um, I mean, because we started in 2006, we're 15 years in now, and we have 15 states. That's a state a year, basically. Um, well, you know, they're already on the ground in, in a lot of these places, so some uh, maybe maybe they know something we don't. That'd be sweet. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they know lots of things that we don't know. <laughs> I hope they know lots of things we don't know. Get them on the show and have them tell us. Yep. East Coast Scoop, what's going on out east? You've oh. got a couple dispensaries. Yeah, so I guess uh, Maine has you know, recently approved um, medical marijuana, and uh, the dispensaries are finally starting to, um, to be approved. It's good stuff. A year ago, Maine voters approved legislation allowing medical marijuana dispensaries in the state. And tonight, the city of Auburn gave the green light to a dispensary to open up shop. News 8's Megan Torgerson joins us now live from Auburn with more on what this decision means for the community. Megan. Tracy, the dispensary will be in this empty storefront behind me. We're in the Auburn Plaza on Center Street. Now, out of this location, they will both grow and distribute medical marijuana. The city planning board okayed the proposal tonight. All in favor? It passes. Good luck. With no one speaking for or against the proposal, the Auburn Planning Board unanimously okayed a marijuana dispensary in an existing retail space in the city. I think we're really happy because it took so long just to find the right facility and to be in the right place and to make few people feel confident that we have the right plans, we have the right security plans, and we're going to be doing the right thing in town. Timothy Smale of the Remedy Compassion Center is its owner. He says it's been a personal and professional journey to this point, and he's happy it will get to move forward. So at this point, all we need to do is sign a lease and uh, begin started on our work on the property. Smale and the city both say Auburn offered the perfect space to open the dispensary. It meets state requirements like distance from schools and other requirements like electrical capacity and size. The location also falls within zoning guidelines. From a land use perspective, this is just another business occupying a space and paying rent in the city of Auburn. The Auburn location will be one of eight dispensaries across the state. It will serve Androscoggin, Franklin, and Oxford counties. This medicine helps to alleviate my migraine condition. That's a genetic condition that I've had for over 25 years. This is the opportunity, and it's the perfect match of our skills, abilities, and passion to make a difference in the lives of others. Under state regulations, the dispensary must operate as a nonprofit, and from here it will be permitted by the city to begin renovations. And Timothy Smale says he hopes to have it open by January of 2011. Live in Auburn, Megan Torgeson, News 8. So it sounds like they're, um, they're being pretty real about it out there so far. Yeah. Nonprofit, nonprofit, nonprofit. Got a similar. Uh, I, I tuned in. I loaded another clip from Lewiston, and it's it, it reads almost exactly the same way. Really? Yeah. They unanimously passed another one. Yeah, totally. In in Lewiston, Maine, but then cool. uh, somewhere else in Maine, they're having problems. Oh, okay. Are we uh, gonna Are we gonna hear any of those clips? Are we skipping them? Or? Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear about the the pl- uh, the problems that are going on. Okay, but similar fortune as Auburn in Lewiston. So. You got it, yeah. Good news cool, for cool, both cool. of those places. Let's listen to the issues, the problems. Delays. While facing roadblocks and hurdles, many medical marijuana dispensary operators have had to come up with contingency plans. At least some of the dispensaries had hoped to be up and running by now. That one is even looking at a new location to set up shop. 
News Age Jim Keithley continues our coverage tonight with this status report. The Department of Health and Human Services is overseeing the setup of eight dispensaries statewide. The only one close to opening soon is in the northern main town of Frenchville, where a renovated farmhouse is being converted and could be growing and selling medical marijuana by the end of the year. Safe Alternatives received their certificate of registration to begin growing on October 4th. But word tonight from Safe Alternative CEO that a moratorium challenge might be looming. Catherine Cobb says it's been slow going for most of the dispensary operators with a lot of logistics that needed to be worked out, not to mention the resistance from cities and towns that don't want them. For any of the um, applicants, the growing location is really the big issue that needs to get settled first because unless they're growing, they're not going to have a dispensary storefront to open. So really finding a place to grow marijuana is uh, of the utmost urgency at this point for all the groups. Another dispensary operator that had their sights set on East Wilton has also run into some roadblocks, so they've abandoned those plans and have set their sights here in Auburn. They're going before the planning board tomorrow for a critical vote. Remedy Compassion Center has identified a 10,000 square foot space in the Auburn Plaza on Center Street. This is where the group would cultivate and dispense medical marijuana. Northeast Patients Group, which will operate four of the eight dispensaries, still has its site set on this former bank building in downtown Portland. But Kathy Cobb says the operators had plans to cultivate on farmland in Herman, supplying all four dispensaries. But the town is still evaluating that option, which in effect has forced Northeast Patients Group into a holding pattern. Cobb is optimistic, though, that the dispensaries will be up and running soon once the ordinances and moratoriums are ironed out. It doesn't take a long time to fit it out with the electrical needs, the growing area, the security. They've been turning those around in two or three weeks. In Augusta, Jim Keithley, News 8. It definitely is of the utmost importance for these groups to figure out where to grow their marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> Farmland sounds pretty ideal. <laughs> um, I would, so it's not, I mean, you don't think they're doing it outdoor in, in, in some farmland? I mean, no, I mean, I think they can. Yeah, in the yeah, sure. summer, right? But I mean, they could put their indoor facilities for the winter on farmland too. Right. I always thought it'd be so cool to have a dispensary in a bank <laughs> <laughs> with the vault and everything. Yeah, totally. Like they leave all the old banking stuff there, and and uh, yeah, that 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 to me sounds cool. Maybe maybe they'll uh, they'll do that. Sounds like um, sounds like that came out before the Auburn uh, the vote in Auburn occurred. But uh, right, there's obviously still still issues going on there. But at least they're moving forward and they're taking it seriously. It seems like uh, it seems like it's you know going to happen um, there. So more power to them. I'll tell you where it's been having issues is New Jersey. Um, New Jersey passed the most conservative uh, law in the nation so far on, on pot. And they are going to have some dispensaries, but they're only going to be like four or six. And they wanted to uh, limit the THC levels at 10% and only certain amount of strains, et cetera, et cetera. It's going it, to, it's a very, very stringent um, law and uh, there actually are a group of legislators that are backing a resolution to ease those those rules. Um, it won support from a state senate and assembly committee on Monday, 
And uh, the resolution that passed um, would effectively veto draft rules released by the Department of Health and Senior Services last month. And um, it would give the state 30 days to rewrite the rules so that uh, perhaps it could be a little less stringent because uh, this, this, this has been a, a big issue in, um, in New Jersey. Um, and we're still waiting to see how this is implemented there. Um, implementation process still hasn't even begun. So it uh, looks like there's still some uh, fighting to do over what's going on in New Jersey. Um, looks like there's some fighting going on in Rhode Island too, of the sophisticated type, huh? Oh yeah, you know, you know, we love we love these clips about these sophisticated grow operations because how, did, is there just a script that these people read? I don't know. I, sophisticated. So it, sophisticated. All the time, dude. It's always sophisticated. Every time a grow room gets popped, it's a, it's a sophisticated grow room. And they always have millions of dollars in street product. It's elaborate. <laughs> elaborate. You know I mean? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sophisticated and elaborate. So, dopers. Yeah. Check it. More stories now that are new at noon when Socket police tell us they've made a major marijuana bust. Police say they've issued an arrest warrant for this man, 34-year-old Nestor Cruz, following a raid on a Mechanic Street home. Inside, police tell us they found a sophisticated marijuana growing operation with well over 100 plants. They say the value of the seized marijuana is over $150,000. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> sophisticated with over a hundred plants. <laughs> they were only in three inch pots and they're only four inches big. But there were but over a hundred. And they're worth $150,000. I swear the funny thing is, is when they talk about marijuana in these places that just don't know Jack about it yet, you know, they talk about the plants themselves, like the plants themselves are so dangerous. Like this house had plants in them. Oh my God, the plants. So speaking of uh, uh, neighbors freaking out about some plants, uh, like right next door, check this one out. Kimberly Baines lives just a few doors away from a house where Suffolk police found a man growing pot. It's the same place where a family daycare is run. Once I found out she was doing daycare, my husband and I actually very briefly talked about using her because it's kind of convenient. She's right there. Online, we found an ad for Angie's in-home daycare. The facility is not required to register with the state because of its low capacity. A woman at the home did not want to talk about the situation. It's very scary. <laughs> it's very scary when you find out somebody like three doors down is growing pot, yeah. Officers said they were called out to the house by a woman who said her husband was acting strange because he hadn't slept for a few days. The man later told officers he had two containers of marijuana. To think that they're right there with marijuana plants, that makes me nervous. You can never be too careful. I'd see her in the front yard playing with all the kids and they seemed happy and it seemed normal. And officers say possession of marijuana charges are pending. Child Protective Services is also investigating. Ah, uh, great. So... <laughs> The weird thing is they said that the guy said he had, he had, couldn't get any sleep, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> they just don't make any damn sense, these people. <laughs> and he's like, like, look, hey, how how much socialization? We we need, like, cultural sensitivity classes for people. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> because, uh, because, like, hey, dude, like, most of the modern world gets it. Um yeah, these people choose to mar smoke marijuana. I think Schwarzenegger said the other day on Leno or something, no one so cares if, if you choose to use a joint or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the, – the, the fear is just insane. They don't tell the stories very, like, congruently, like, okay, so 
So was he busted with plants, with a garden? Was he busted with just weed? Was he bust? And, and, and so you're saying that this happened at the same house that was actually doing a child care? Or is it the house that's just three houses away from the grow was a child care place? What's the deal? I'm kind of, were you kind of confused I, by that? I think the plants were in the home with the child care. Okay. So the child care business is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. No, it's probably not a good idea. I'm with you. Um, but then the part where people are like, just to learn that there was marijuana growing just three, three doors down. That's very scary. Well, what is very scary about it? The fact that maybe someone would rob them then or what? I mean, the plant itself, the fact that they use a lot. I mean, I'm just, what's the scary part. Yeah, totally. What's the, so the, scary. The plants are it. scary, dude. That can't, don't you know, cannabis is evil. Is, is it has it has bad mojo. You don't want it near near you. The just the, the the energy vibration from them probably is the reason why me and my my family have been fighting so much lately in our house. There were probably plants three doors down. Don't you know? That, don't you know? I was Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Don't you know? Is that a Wisconsin thing? It's like a it's a northern thing. They do uh, uh, yeah, Minnesota and uh, Canada, I'm sure. We love our accents. People keep uh, keep bringing us the accents. Um so we're going to segue here. That was <laughs> That was a topic. That was a topic worth barely in our any of our time. But we're going to segue now into topics worth uh, <laughs> barely any of our time. Uh, Illinois um, is so worth some of my time. I have so many great friends from Illinois, but uh, I don't really spend too much time there anymore, other than when I'm stuck in the Chicago airport. And um, but I know that you guys that live there are fighting really hard to get a medical marijuana law passed and um a very restrictive one uh is what you're gonna get get is what it looks like but that's obviously better than nothing and taking victories and incremental steps has always been important for our movement and it still is so i'm all for you guys moving forward um with getting this passed and i know that uh, Jamie has a lot riding on this and follows it very uh, closely. So I'm going to probably kind of breeze over this um, because he's got some more to cover in future shows on this. But there is a couple of, um, specifically one, a guy named Chris Indris. Um, He's the director of the Quad City Metropolitan Enforcement Group. And uh, he's been traveling um, throughout places in uh, Illinois and uh, Iowa and basically telling people that uh, medical marijuana is a scam, that sick, it's mostly, mostly young males that use medical marijuana, and they're just using it to, to, um, to uh, basically legitimize their recreational use, and that if a medical marijuana law passes, it'll simply bring the criminal element back into their communities because they have eliminated it. <laughs> so uh-huh. uh it's not there currently um and he says that instead of passing a medical marijuana law what we should do is we should wait on a drug like fda approved uh drug derived from marijuana that doesn't have the intoxicating effects and uh oh, no, similar to we couldn't to have that oh yeah because there's it's so intoxicating and it just makes people crazy and and insane we're just you know 
There's all a bunch of killers out here. Yeah, that's so. Anyway, this guy is going around and to some success spreading his uh, bit of propaganda here, and it, uh, hopefully he's willing for a debate. Hopefully he's not just going to stay on his pedestal and go around and do this because that's. Oh no! What he's saying seems pretty, uh, pretty crazy. I'm sure Jamie's going to have a better, uh, a better take on it next week because he follows Illinois stuff much closer than I do. I just wanted to mention it out there. You guys have some opposition in Illinois, as you know, because you may be moving forward with your new governor potentially on uh, getting a law passed. So, um, but speaking of uh, law enforcement and Jamie, um, I think now is a good time for me to take a smoke break. And for us to uh, seg over to Jamie, because he's got an interview with, I, th- I believe, a, a, a law enforcement against prohibition uh, member um, out at the SSDP uh, um, convention. So uh, let's, uh, let's get Jamie on the line. Cool. All right. This is a, this, this next one is a good one. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, typically I don't do a preface for these things, but I think in this case it was really important and uh, appropriate. Um, let me just start by saying this. Make no mistake about it. This is a no-bullshit guy. Um, I don't think you're going to get enough of that on the tape, but uh, he's a... Uh, He's a pretty straightforward dude, and uh, he could be—he's got that cop intimidation thing going on, and I don't even think he realizes it. Uh, Mr. Howard Rotz, uh, Mr. Rotz has the brains, credentials, and the experience to help effectively change the criminal justice system for the better, for all of us, um, citizens and law enforcement alike. Uh, he's an active professional in the law enforcement community, and he makes he makes no beef about expressing his loyalty to that sector. And uh, this is a good thing, I think. Uh, what Howard is is opposed to and fights diligently against is the continuation of futile law enforcement practices. I was fortunate enough to grab his attention for a brief interview, and uh, this is what he had to say. Okay, once again, Jamie Cass. I'm here at the Midwestern SSDP Conference uh, in Kent State University, beautiful place so far in uh, the great state of Ohio. And we're so fortunate to get Mr. Howard Rotz from LEAP, um, who I'm sure if you listen to our program you're very familiar with. We mention their organization, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, uh, very often for good reason. Um, Mr. Rotz, I have a few questions for you. First, let's start out and tell our listeners um, and I probably should announce to you, so you're aware, our, our audio program is called The Cannabis Agenda. And we discuss things, um, hopefully with an objective bent, um, all things related to cannabis. Um, first, start out, just tell our listeners uh, a little bit like who you are and how you got involved with uh, LEAP. Okay. Um, I actually started my career as a counselor in the addictions field. And I worked for 20 years in the drug addictions field doing treatment, prevention, and advocacy work. In my 40s, I decided to fulfill kind of a life ambition and become a police officer and joined the Cincinnati Police Department, uh, completed the academy, and was sent out as a beat cop. Uh, At that period of time, it was the height of the crack epidemic hitting Cincinnati and every place else in the country. So the experience as as a police officer at the height of the crack epidemic was very much different from sitting behind a counselor's desk and, and viewing the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, through my police career, um, I did a number of things, but at the end of my career, I was a captain and I was put in charge of our citywide drug enforcement vice 
control squad. So we, you know, one of the things we did was create a mid-level unit. We thought that there was too much street enforcement. We had federal agencies primarily working on kind of major drug dealers, and we thought targeting wholesale dealers, the guys that are preventing the drug or providing the drugs to street-level dealers, would be kind of filling a niche. And we were very successful with that. We, uh, our unit, we had good cooperation with the feds. We had a staff of very talented officers. Uh, and we confiscated record amounts of drugs and money, made a lot of good arrests. And, um, and the one thing I always ask our officers is, is going through this process, um, did we have any impact on the street? Are there addicts out there? Are there people trying to buy drugs who can't find them because of our activity? And nobody could ever say yes to me on that. Um, and one of the things I was sort of surprised is that there is so much uh, drug activity out there that we're 24-7 arresting people and we never make a, 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 a nick in it. And when I retired in 07, I decided to write a book on drug policy. And one of the first things I researched was the growing violence on the Mexican-American border. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the president of Mexico had just declared war on drug traffickers. Right. In 07, Calderon. Mm -hmm. uh, and in 07, when I'm uh, doing this book and researching it, they're reporting 16, 18,000 people killed in this ongoing drug war. Uh, not even three years later, uh, the estimates are now closer to 30,000. Um, and my interest in this is taking the money away from the cartels and street corner dealers. What I want to do is put in a set of policies that's going to choke off the revenue to these folks so that they're not so free to kill as they currently are. Um, marijuana specifically, the research says that 60% of cartel revenue uh, comes from marijuana. If we legalize marijuana, we've now taken 60% of their revenue and put it into the legal uh, controlled market. Uh, I don't know how many business enterprises can withstand a loss to 60% of their revenue. Right. Um, I want to continue on that line, but before we do, by all means, please uh, tell our listeners what your title of your book. Uh, we'd, we'd love you to uh, plug that for a minute. I think Right now, I'm still working with publishers. The tentative title is Striking Back at the Drug Cartels, okay. A New Direction for America's Drug War. Excellent. So that should be coming out soon. We'd uh, definitely uh, encourage our listeners to keep an eye on that, and we'll report on that in our, on the cannabis agenda as Great. soon as that comes available. We'll give you our contact info so you can definitely let us know. Uh, if and when that comes out for uh, public consumption. And we'll Outstanding. Definitely turn our listeners on to that important and influential uh, piece. Um, can you speak, a, uh, as pertaining to legalization, you spoke a little bit in a, in a, a very interesting and engaging conversation you just had with the, the conference here. We appreciate you doing that, by the way. You, you mentioned there a lot of law enforcement, this is something we talk about on the show as well, um, frequently, um, a lot of law enforcement uh, is outspoken against legalization in the public forum. Um, but in your experience, when you speak with police officers or law enforcement officials of whatever level, 
Um, what is what is the opinion you're getting? Privately, um, I think an awful lot of cops would support legalization of marijuana. I don't think it would go any further than that, but I think most of them, particularly ones that are involved in this on a day-to-day -day basis, see the futility of it. I mean, we all know what it's like to be a hamster right. on a treadmill and never working as hard as you can and never accomplishing anything. And so I, I think public opinion and private opinion are probably going to be a little bit different. Right. So their charge as police officers might conflict in some ways with what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis with the dangers of cannabis users. And as a, as a police officer, um, it's very difficult for me to make any kind of public statement certainly, about certainly. that. I certainly respect that. Um, you did mention, and I'm sure you can comment on this one, drug deals, uh, dealing with illegal uh, or illicit drug dealers is extremely dangerous activity. Um, how do you think cannabis legalization would have, or if would it, and if it would, how much effect do you I think? I think it accomplishes an awful lot because we get what's known as separation of the market. Okay. Um, marijuana has been described as a gateway drug, and the guy that originally came up with that phrase was talking about the use of marijuana leading to other drugs. Mm -hmm. We've since learned that's not true, but marijuana is definitely a gateway into the illegal drug market. Right. Um, People who are buying marijuana in the illegal drug market now have access to crack, heroin, right. and the other menu of drugs. Will likely drugs. be solicited. Exactly. If we create a legal market for marijuana, we've broken that connection uh, between the illegal drug market and the buyer. Excellent. Just a couple more things. These are a little bit more detailed um, as far as from a police officer's perspective. Um, you mentioned tasers. Tasers get more frequently used. They seem to be kind of a... The idea is it's a, a non-lethal uh, measure that they can take, but, right. but we all know at this point that they can be potentially very dangerous. Police officer is supposed to use that one time in a necessary uh, you know, situation, and sometimes there's been accusations, whether uh, or not they're true, uh, true or false, we can't speak to, but I understand. But, but you mentioned something very interesting in your, in your talk that I was not aware of. These tasers have a chip in them, is that correct? There's a, a chip in them that records every time that trigger is pulled, date and time stamps it. So it's a protection against uh, what you're alleging, which is misuse of the taser by police officers. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but there are safeguards. And this is individual agency responsibility. Certain. If we're giving our officers taser, they need to be properly trained. We need to have a policy that's very clear. Right. And we need to have ongoing supervision and response and investigation of all these incidents to minimize any misuse of the taser, just as we want to minimize any kind of use of force. Excellent. So we certainly would, would encourage our listeners. It's, it's always a very, very bad idea to try to elicit some kind of a false complaint against a police officer. If you legitimately believe that this was misused and you were repeatedly tased for no reason or, or what have you, then that is uh, some type of a record that you can inquire about make a complaint and it's up to the agency to investigate that and in my experience most police agencies do a pretty good job Take of that. that seriously good and uh, also okay there's a there's an audio recording that happens in a police stop and those are safeguarded from what I understand so there's the in-car cameras have obviously an audio capacity mm -hmm. um, those recording media whether it's an old VCR thing or uh, newer digital version, those are 
unavailable to the police officer. Supervisors only have access to those, and I'm talking about the agency has that policy so that any of these encounters that are caught on that are preserved and used in investigations. Sure, so honesty and the truth is available. Exactly. On both sides. Exactly. Which is a good thing. Okay, thank you. And the last, to finish up here, if you would please, could you tell our listeners what should they do to change things and how important is uh, citizen participation? Well, citizen participation, nothing's going to happen without citizen participation. This is going to be a political decision mm -hmm. and until politicians see that the majority of people want this, they're always going to side with the, with, you know, they're going to do the math and count the votes. Mm -hmm. And I would write my legislators, uh, I support this. Uh, we've got a representative here in Ohio who's advocating medical marijuana, which I view as a step towards full legalization. But we've got to educate ourselves, and then we've got to educate these people. And we've got to, you know, join in these organizations like the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, mm -hmm. Drug Policy Alliance, and LEAP, which is open to any citizen, I'd encourage you to go to the LEAP website and, and join up, no fee. Excellent. So it's very important they get intelligently and consistently involved in this process. Well said. Thank you so much. Mr. Howard Rotz from, from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, we certainly thank you. thank you. Take care. Cool, Jamie. That's Yeah, that's, right uh, on. <laughs> we appreciate the interviews, man. Um, I appreciate this oil that I just toked on. Ooh. Good. Mm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if you noticed, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, good for good for the the spirit today. Yeah, pot, uh, you, pot. You seem a little shinier now. I guess I could get fired for this if I was living in Michigan. Oh yeah. <laughs> what like, about that? Because I'm using my medicine at work. Right. Hey, are you allowed to use like if you broke had a broken bone and it'd still work though? Would you be allowed to like take Vicodin at work? Did they fire you for that? I don't think so. No. I'm that's crazy. I mean, like if you like, I don't know about Vicodin, but if you worked like a forklift or something and you were taking some some heavier painkillers, I I mean, I you couldn't get fired, but you know maybe you'd get put on medical leave or something. Well, you can still get fired for using medical marijuana uh, in most states, really, if they want to fire you. Um, there is a court battle going over um, a med patient that was fired from Walmart. Um, we have right, a in, for it. in Michigan, right? Right, Michigan, and it's currently in the federal court system um, to determine if a lawsuit can go forward um, because they're suing, saying he was wrongfully um, wrongfully fired, which according to the way the law is written in Michigan, it appears that he was. So uh, let's listen to this clip. All right. Now to a federal court over uh, the fight over medical marijuana, which voters approved in Michigan, but is illegal under federal law. A Battle Creek man says he was fired from Walmart for using the drug his doctor had prescribed, and now that case is in the hands of a federal judge. Let's go to 24 News 8's Tony Tullivia, live outside of the federal court where that case was heard today. Tony? Good evening, Brian. That man is suing Walmart in court here today. His lawyers tried to get this case sent to a state court, and Walmart lawyers tried to get the case thrown out entirely. I would just like to say I'm very thankful for him and my day in Fort Smith. Uh, I look forward to the judge's decision. American Civil Liberties Union lawyers are representing Joseph Casillas. He was fired from a Battle Creek area Walmart late last year. 
His lawyers are arguing Casillas is protected under the voter-approved Michigan medical marijuana law. And if the people of Michigan decide that they want to protect patients like Joseph, then they should have a right to have their courts figure out how to interpret that law. And Casillas is suing not just Walmart, but the supervisor at the store where he worked. Walmart lawyers say the supervisor didn't make the decision, so Walmart should be the only defendant and the case should stay in federal court. Those Walmart lawyers also want the case thrown out entirely, in part because they say language in the state's law applies to business licensing boards like a medical board, but not to businesses themselves. The fired workers' lawyers say the law does apply to businesses. Now, Walmart lawyers also say that there are some federal laws that this state law goes against, so it shouldn't be allowed to be used. Now, the lawyers for Casillas say that just because there are some cases where the state law might break federal law doesn't mean it can't be used in this case. A decision could come in mid-December. We'll be watching. Live at the federal courthouse in downtown Grand Rapids, Tony Taliavia, 24-Hour News Day. Thank you. I want to be clear with everybody. This gentleman did not use cannabis at work. Uh, that was that was just us talking about whether or not you could, <laughs> if it's fair that you can't use it at all at work. He did not use it at work. Um, here is where incrementalism just is painful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this one should be black and white. I mean it, it, it's 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 painful. Um, well, the state law. It's pretty black and white. It protects his right to have to be able to use medical marijuana and not be fired for it from a job as long as he's not using it at the job, right? That's what basically the the Michigan law says. But um, Walmart doesn't really care about the Michigan law. I bet you they care more about it now. They probably are. They probably now, if they someone tests positive but has medical, they probably don't fire them. But for in this case, they they did it. And uh, it's really sad because this guy has serious, serious issues that are that have been helped significantly by the use of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, can he, only pass. We we've, we we talked about this guy, be, uh, you know, several months back, and he he won, um, you know, the best employee of the of the month award or of the year award. He was he was he was well liked there. You know, he was a good employee. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the law in Michigan just passed in 2008, so it's a new thing that he's been legally able to do this, and it apparently it was his oncologist that recommended he tried marijuana. So he's been using it as a recommendation from, like, a specialist, really, that first gave him the recommendation, mm-hmm. um, because the medicine that he used to take, um, it, it, it gave him nausea, and uh, it, it didn't help him with with weight gain, and, and uh, marijuana helps with nausea and can help with weight gain too. It can help you eat, <laughs> which is funny when we're high, but it's a miracle when you're sick. And, um, so, um, I don't know this, this just really, it's a really, this is one of those painful stories where we have to wait and see how it, how it all plays out. If this is tried and ends up being tried in federal court and federal court only, um, well, we haven't had such great luck with that. Um, if the case can be seen in the state of Michigan, I, 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 how come a company like like Walmart is can only be like when you sue them, they're sued at a federal level and not a, they can't be sued at a state level? Do you understand that, Matt? No, I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, and I, I guess he's uh, he's trying to sue the supervisor as well, probably because that case would be able to be heard in state court. Is that right? That's, exactly. That's, that's what I got from from the clip. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what, uh, that's what I got to. And what Walmart's, uh, what Walmart is saying is that they can't sue that individual cause he didn't make the decision or something. Mm-hmm. So, or, so, um, they're trying to keep it in state court. Obviously they have much better. They'll have much better luck with this in Michigan court. I mean, it seems pretty black and white in Michigan court to me, really. I don't know how a judge could just throw that out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the federal level, they don't even consider medical marijuana. That, I mean, this would have to be, it wouldn't be about medical marijuana. It'd be, I, I don't know. It, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out, but that's an update of what's going on. Um, in this gentleman's case, um, you got a clip here. There's a city, Wyoming. They've been sued over medical marijuana yeah, over they, a moratorium they have on it. Yes, exactly. More court battles, Michigan, getting, <laughs> getting dirty in Michigan. They are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you. A man who says he is a medical marijuana patient is suing the city of Wyoming over its proposal to ban medical marijuana. So how will the city defend itself and where will the money come from? 24-Hour News 8's Tony Taliavia is in studio with us now to fill us in on that. Tony? Susie, we asked the mayor if he thinks taxpayers will end up on the hook for much of the court costs. I don't believe they will. Okay. Anything? And as, as mayor, I'm not going to allow that to happen. How exactly? Mayor Jack Pohl says costs will depend on how vigorously the city of Wyoming decides to fight the suit. And he says outside groups could aid in that fight, including a legal defense fund run by an organization that represents Michigan cities. Retired lawyer John Turbeek brought the case against the city. Why did you file this suit? I filed it to protect our rights under state law. The city's medical marijuana ordinance is a blanket ban. The city council passed it once, but it won't take effect unless the council passes it again. Terbeek, who says he's a registered medical marijuana patient, says the ordinance is vague and overly broad. He says it goes against the state's voter-approved medical marijuana law, and Terbeek says it violates the constitutional right to ballot initiatives in Michigan. Pohl says he hasn't yet seen the suit, so we can't comment on the arguments, but he says the state's marijuana law leaves many unanswered questions. Yeah, I don't think it was thoroughly investigated. I think it got to the, the um, in, in my opinion, got to the, the people too soon before all the uh, details were ironed out. And the mayor says the state law doesn't give law enforcement the proper tools to deal with the impact. The number one thing is the safety of our residents. The mayor says the city and therefore taxpayers could face some costs. He says that's worth it because of the public safety issue now. The mayor says the state's law was going to end up in court someplace. And this may speed that process up. We'll be tracking it. Brian. So that that's kind of, I mean, sounds like Michigan is following suit. Uh, that's what we've been doing in California for a while. <laughs> Man, it just starts and it doesn't stop. I mean, we're still doing it in California 15 years later, yep. um, 14 years later. Um, yeah, it's a process. Um, I'm glad that all I got, sweet, good job, man. Way to stick it to him. <laughs> he stuck it to a, a city government that's going to have trouble dealing with it. So they just tried to put a blanket moratorium over it. Like, no, actually, in this area, that medical marijuana thing, uh-uh. <laughs> Is that what they did? Yeah, totally. No, dis- no dispensaries, no medical marijuana. And we've seen that in California, right? Uh, there, there are municipalities <clears throat> that have said, we're not going to allow medical marijuana. And I think it's in, it's in the courts right now. Sure, but are they saying that you can't allow it at all? Like, we're going to not even look at it as far as personal possession, or are they saying just no dispensary? I don't know. That's a good question. 
mean, yeah, it is. It's uh, interesting to see these things play out in every area. Every area, they end up being different. Some places, it seems like they're trying to figure it out, and it just takes forever to fight over it. Um, San Jose, or not San Jose, um, Fresno is one of them. We haven't we need to get an update on that guy's story down there that keeps getting arrested and thrown in jail and let out because of overpopulation. And come back. Remember that story? No. You remember that guy? There was a guy in Fresno who the judge was just determined to make him do his sentence. So he was arrested, convicted, whatever. Um, uh, and it's, he just keeps operating his dispensary. He doesn't give a shit. He just keeps doing it, you know? And they keep arresting him. and they keep throwing him in jail and they're trying to get him to serve out his full term. And he goes to jail and the <laughs> and they rule down there. And Fres- Fresno's a tough town, man. I don't know if you've ever been there, but a real tough town. And uh, the rules are if it's overpopulated and there's nonviolent people, they get to go. Uh-huh. And so he never even comes close to making it through whatever his full term was. <laughs> but the judge just keeps every time, you know, like for a while, just kept sending people over there to keep throwing him back in jail to try and get him to spend the time. And it, it, the same thing would happen over and over and over. That's it, it, this funny. happened like two or three. It's happened like two or three times. We need to get an update on that story. But like, there, you know, there these sorts of stories just they just keep on going. And this is going to be a lot of what we're going to be covering here now that the political season's probably over. These sorts, a lot of court stuff. We're going to have to really talk with, get some more attorneys on the show. We're going to have to talk with some organizations and try and get some attorneys on here so we can get some good interviews with people that, that have a little bit better understanding of uh, all of the legal implications and stuff that, that happen in these things. Um, Cause it's very, you know, they're, they're all involved. So Oh, Michigan. Here you go. Um, Arizona. Dude, you know what's awesome? What? Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Arizona. Um, we were doom and gloom around here at the Cannabis Agenda. We thought everything failed. We were pretty sure of it. Even last week, that's what we were reporting. Uh, apparently... They kept on counting votes in Arizona (laughs) for like 10 days after the election. And this time when they kept counting votes, it worked in favor of something I care about. So yay for me, this is, this is, (laughs) this is the third time they've, uh, they've passed medical marijuana legislation. Is that right? Yes. And they don't, they do not get to be on that list with South Dakota. Uh-huh. Right. They voted no. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not on that list now, which we had put them on that list last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, they apparently it swung from like a 7,000 vote, uh, you know, losing by 7,000 to winning by 7,000. But we got a clip. Um, it passed, and it's official, apparently. So let's Sweet. check out this clip. We start with breaking news tonight, breaking election news. In a period of just 24 hours, the ballot measure to legalize medical marijuana has gone from 3,000 votes behind to more than 4,000 votes ahead. Here are the latest numbers. You can see the yes votes outnumber the no votes right now by about 4,400. 
Maricopa County still has to count another 10,000 ballots or so. So this thing could swing either way. Now, if Prop 203 passes, marijuana would be legal for doctors to prescribe only in the case of serious diseases like cancer. A limited number of medical marijuana dispensaries would be allowed to open for business. We'll keep you posted as these new numbers come in. There it is. Their third time they've done it. Um, maybe, apparently, maybe third time is the charm. Maybe third time. Do you think that we're still waiting? You think this is going to be an issue? <laughs> I don't know. The last two times have been. You know, <laughs> cross your fingers, right? Gosh, they, how... they wrote this legislation specifically to overcome uh, the, um, you know, the the. The, the things that were wrong with the, the previous legislation. So let's, let's hope so. Cross your fingers, knock on wood, don't let a black cat cross your path, and stay away from ladders completely. Yeah, definitely. I guess keep your fingers crossed because it's failed in the past. Apparently this one's going to cover anyone with cancer, HIV, AIDS, Hep C, um, and other quote-unquote chronic or debilitating diseases. Um, so that's there it is. Uh, they got the chronic and debilitating disease in, in their thing, so that's probably going to be a, a looser one. I know their dispensary rules related with this are kind of crazy, and we're going to see how they all uh, how they all get played out. But, um, yeah, it appears that uh, Arizona is off of that dirty list with South Dakota. Yay. And, all right. And um, they have passed Prop 203. Um, good for you. Um, Got some uh, activism going on in Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. Yeah, I got a clip too. I'll roll it. Been a while. The courthouse steps in downtown Dayton to push for laws to legalize medical marijuana. All it would do is allow someone to grow their own medicine or have someone grow it for them. It would not be dispensaries and storefronts like in California and the other 15 states. Medical marijuana patients from all over Ohio and surrounding states took part in a Patients Are Losing Patients rally this afternoon. They want the state to pass House Bill 478, a medical marijuana bill that was introduced in March and is still sitting in the state's health committee. My favorite quote is, pills kill, plants can't. Every year, people die from overdoses of um, uh, narcotics and the pharmaceuticals that were prescribed to cure our ailments, but medical marijuana has never killed anyone. Those opposing the bill say marijuana is a dangerous drug that impairs your judgment and releases toxic chemicals in your body. They also call it the gateway drug that leads use users to try cocaine and heroin next. The gateway drug. <laughs> she just dropped those little things at the very end, like the classic prohibition arguments. Right. Like, none of you know anything. I've ever even, just so you, you know, if any of you have ever heard before of this stuff, marijuana, it's bad. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, just stay off the weed, okay? Yeah. Stay off the weed. Um, Jamie's staying off the weed. He's down at the SSDP thing. He's, uh, He's uh, going to talk with uh, Representative Kenny Yuko from Ohio, who I believe was informed about this whole thing through grassroots activism, um, um, activists that brought this uh, issue to his attention, and he's kind of championed the issue. Um, he's going to speak with him. Uh, let's get him on the phone. Let's do that. 
Okay, it's it's Jamie Cass reporting in. We're from the uh, the Midwestern Regional SSDP Conference, and we're fortunate enough to have with us Representative Kenny Yuko um, from the 128th General Assembly of the state, the great state of Ohio. Um, an honorable man. We're so glad you could talk to us. Um, first of all, thank you for for taking the time. You know, we appreciate that. And what I would like you to speak to a few kind of uh, particular matters. The first one is. Let our listeners know what you're involved in. You have some. You have sponsored some medical marijuana legislation in the state of Ohio, correct? That's correct, Jamie. We have introduced House Bill 478 in this General Assembly. It's not going anywhere, so we'll reintroduce it when we get sworn into the 129th General Assembly come January. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a bill that needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. It probably will never get passed in Ohio because of the mentality, the old Cheech and Chong and George Carlin images that automatically pop up every time you mention the word marijuana, even though if you proceed it with the word medical in front of it. You know, people still have a hard time understanding and comprehending what you're trying to do. Overcoming the stigma. Absolutely. Yeah, ridiculous. But the, the great thing about this, and the reason that I, call, that, I, that I respectfully refer to as courageous gentlemen and upstanding gentlemen is because you understand the uphill battle and you continue to reintroduce this legislation, General Assembly after General Assembly, with with, mo- with minor gains at best, but you're getting somewhere. And you made a comment when you just spoke to us, and you said, you know, if you if you listen to the critics, you'll give up. And giving up is giving in, and you can't do that because it's all a wash and it's all for naught. And uh, can you tell me that? You're committed to continuing this? I'm absolutely committed to continuing this program. We will continue to work with these people. We will continue to have interested party meetings. We'll entertain comments from our proponents, opponents, and those who are just merely interested parties. And uh, as we can become more and more inclusive of all their ideas, we may not get the perfect bill, but we're going to certainly make this a better place to live in than we have right now. Fantastic. Um, one last comment I would like to ask you about. Um, you said in your, in your, when you spoke that you really didn't know anything about this issue to start with. Not at all. And, and let our listeners know, how did you come into awareness about medical cannabis? I, as a first-time candidate, meeting with people who came to represent different organizations, they told me about it on the campaign trail. Once I was elected, they came to my office and, and lobbied on behalf of their various organizations. We did a lot of research with the computer. We did LSC analysis. Uh, we contacted other state legislators, found out what they were doing. We found other states were interested in similar legislation. And as this thing continued to progress, uh, we got more and more attention. With the more attention, we made national TV, national radio. We've been involved in numerous newspapers and publications. And with each step comes more and more awareness. And with more awareness comes more people getting involved. And uh, the stronger we keep getting. Excellent, excellent. So I thank you for taking the time to speak with this representative. And uh, I have your card. We would like to contact you down the road, perhaps in the 129th General Assembly, and kind of follow up on how things are going. Jamie, it would be my pleasure. Fantastic, thank you, sir. Thank you, Sam. Have it. All right. Thanks, Jamie. That was a really cool interview. That gives us uh, hope to know that we can actually um, – inspire some change within certain legislators that may not be privy to our, to our issue. You know, if we bring, if we can bring information to them, there's, there are some of them that could, could, you know, become helpful towards our cause. It's good to, good to know that, that, um, that story is just a good story to hear. Um, what'd you think of that, Matt? Yeah. Uh, 
good work, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie, good work, buddy. That was cool. Um, we got so now we got we're going to back to serious land to Iowa, serious place. Um, <laughs> this is some really good oil, by the way. Yummy. Um, uh, this guy in Iowa is talking about his perspective on how medical marijuana works in California. You got a clip for this, right? Yeah, totally. So I guess they're considering uh, uh, medical marijuana in I- in Iowa, and it's it's just funny, you know, li- hearing hearing you know the out- an outsider's view of of how things work in California. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I know there they're considering doing it from pharmacies. So, huh. yeah. Here we go. Wonder what is a pharmacy at the time though doesn't necessarily for everybody medical marijuana it started in california spread to 13 more states and could iowa be next in a surprising turnaround two months ago the iowa pharmacy board recommended to the legislature that medical marijuana be allowed in iowa now iowa lawmakers could bring it up next session so emily price went to california to experience what it's like emily Imagine keeping marijuana in your medicine cabinet next to the Tylenol and toothpaste or walking down the street to legally pick up some pot. You don't have to imagine it tonight. Just take a trip with photojournalist Jesse Landolt and me. Southern California, home of Hollywood, stars, surf, and shopping. Did you know, it's also considered the cannabis capital of the U.S. Today, the doctor is in. We start in Venice Beach, where the buildings are almost as colorful as the people. Get legal today. Jordan Kurtz Hanna gets paid to be a pot pusher. The sidewalk salesman influences beachgoers to seek out his employer, CannaSafe. Clinics like his dot the landscape, from 420 Doctor to Green Goddess. It's where people in pain go to get a doctor's recommendation. They'll need the recommendation to get marijuana. I played my case and told him I really needed it. Kurtz Hanna is not just a pusher, he's a patient, and he's been one since he was 16. I skateboard a lot, and I hurt my ankle, and I never went to the doctor like to get it like checked out, and it like bumps a lot like when I'm walking around doing my job, and it like, hurts, so chronic pain, there you go. You probably thought the law was meant to help people with cancer, MS, or chronic migraines, not twisted ankles. Kurtz Hanna's story made us wonder if a reporter from Iowa, more than six months pregnant and showing, could also get a doctor's recommendation to smoke pot. A woman working the counter at the 420 doctor's office checked with the doctor about my lower back pain. They said I was too far along in pregnancy, but would have gladly written a recommendation to treat nausea just a few weeks ago. I was turned down, but 7,906 people in California this year were not. Dozens of those card-carrying Californians walked into the pharmacy as the general manager gave us a tour. It's one of the 1,000 or so medical marijuana dispensaries in Los Angeles alone. Since it became legal in 1996, California's cannabis industry has grown. Thousands of dispensaries popped up across the state. Behind the pharmacy counter in Venice, 48 kinds of cannabis, from green candy to banana kush. Each bud does something different depending on your kind of pain. And this is our LA uh, XOG. Has a has a, di- a completely different smell. Smell the difference, yeah. The pharmacy may not feel like a real pharmacy, but it sure tries to operate like one. We have two, uh, 
two biochemists and uh, a licensed pharmacist. Californians must present their medical marijuana ID card when they walk in. It's scanned in these computers where background checks are done. Once you pass, the pot possibilities are endless. This is our silver Urkel. One gram costs anywhere from $25 to $75. For most people, that dose lasts just a day. If that's too steep, others opt for the kind of cannabis you can eat. But these are our gelatos where we made ice cream that were enhanced. From butter and brownies to olive oil and juice. Here is our drink. This is a pomegranate, one of my favorites. Californians are finding all kinds of ways to get marijuana and feel better. The stigmatism of the negative needs to be taken away. It is truly a miracle plant. One of the greatest cases made for legalizing medical marijuana licensed 74-year-old Margot Bauer. We met with her at her nursing home in Laguna Woods. And there's your card. Okay. And so how long have you had that? Since 7-28-09. Doctors diagnosed the retired nurse with MS 20 years ago. She was one of the first to get a card, renews it every year, and now smokes daily. I feel like I have something that will the first time and one thing that will keep me from being in an acute acute uh, ready to end it all stage. When they enacted the law I don't think there was anybody opposed to trying to help somebody in that type of medical condition. The Long Beach uh, Chief of Police says for all the good that's come to people like Margot, there is as much bad that's come to cities like his. We've seen Organized crime group groups taking over dispensaries. We're basically legalizing marijuana by doing this because everybody who wants to have access to it with this recommendation can have it. Next month, many of L.A.'s dispensaries will be forced to shut down after a long, drawn-out legal battle with the city comes to an end. This is expected to leave just 137 dispensaries here in L.A. It's proof that 14 years after medical marijuana became legal here, a lot of kinks are still being worked out. California's kinks and stories of success can now be a guide to Iowa lawmakers. The abuses we've seen of this, I think, you could you could write books on. I think it's morally wrong Did not to help someone. As we investigated the likelihood of medical marijuana in Iowa and what it could look like here, we uncovered some pretty fascinating information. So it kind of shocked me that, that, that it appeared that the code already authorizes medical marijuana, passed by the legislature years and years and years ago. Well, that's an unexpected twist. Medical mm -hmm. marijuana already legal in Iowa. We'll explain all of that tomorrow night at 10. There's a catch, I bet, right? Oh, Perhaps. there's a catch. <laughs> all right, I bet. bet there's a catch. There's always a catch. Huh. Well, what do you think? I don't know. Um... It, it was interesting. They got a, you know a few of their I don't, twenty-five to seventy-five dollars an eight or a, a gram is what she said for for some herb. Seventy-five, seventy-five. That's 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 not <laughs> that's twenty-five. Twenty-five. That's not right either. Twenty-five is a lot of money for a gram. Yeah, uh -oh. totally. Is she talking about hash or something? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't think. Man, interesting to hear their their perspective and then they they drop the, the oh and it might already be legal in iowa at the very end and then don't go into that at all which is like right <laughs> that's the more more interesting part of the story right right that is the more interesting part of the story um hey it, it, what do you think i mean <laughs> they're they're kind of trying to make make us look like all oh, these crazy Californians, they just basically legalized weed. We don't want anything like that in in, in Iowa. Yeah, right? I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they uh, they talked to the the older woman that was that was you know using medical marijuana, and um, I don't think they painted it in a bad light entirely by any means. No. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But I just always. But maybe that's just because we are pretty pretty crazy out here in California. The guy's like, I bumped my knee. There it is. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. I. I get yeah. I mean. Okay. So she she told she told the. I mean that that kind of how it is in California though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people. Some people. Some people do have that attitude about it for sure. Yeah. Well. Definitely. Yeah. For some. I mean, it's the truth. For for some people, medical marijuana is you know it it is their way to legally use marijuana recreationally. Sure. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It is true. Like, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't, I don't see anything morally wrong with that. No, except that, um, that you're just protecting someone's rights to use something recreationally when, uh, potentially that wasn't what people were actually voting for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I do know what you're saying. And it goes into all sorts of levels of, well, what is medicine and, you know, like all, all sorts of philosophical things, you know, that we've talked about on the show before. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, obviously, I think that marijuana is helpful in like over 200 ailments. So m- all minor and most of which are like self-medicating sort of ailments. So I, I personally don't even feel like we really need recommendations or anything. I think people should be legally out legally able to choose to medicate with marijuana, however they wish. Now I think it could be regulated. Um, but yeah, I mean like as far as, as far as like, uh, you know, letting people decide how to medicate, how they want to medicate with marijuana, I believe it should, should, you know, should be up to people, um, to choose and not even without the need for the recommendation. And I'm sure what they're getting at up in Iowa is, picking and choosing who and who won't be able to get uh, medical marijuana, which is further away from what I, you know, believe is, is, you know, actually just. So uh, I just, I I like seeing, I like seeing uh, like what Arizona just did the, um, (laughs) you know, debilitating or chronic, any other debilitating or chronic diseases where we can add later. Yeah, and determine as we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were very loose with it in California. Um, I just, and that's all, my only thing is, is that it's just a mask for the recreational thing, because like really, that there's no law specifically for recreational use, and it's, I mean, that's that's like, you know, I still still once another victory we have to earn at some point. But at least, at least it does kind of cover the rights of people to use it recreationally too. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that we have that working the way we do here. So that's a good thing. And, um, sounds like Jamie had fun at the SSDP conference. That's a good thing too. So, um, it looks like we're done with another show. We got a clip coming out the end here. Totally. Yeah. We got a uh, Jesse Ventura on, uh, uh, Geraldo Riviera show Geraldo live. And, uh, the, he's talking about just, marijuana and legalizing and why it's a good idea. Cool. Cool. Yeah, he he gets he get. I we've played some clips on him on here before where he's getting angry with some people from his show. He does called them liars. He's got a temper. <laughs> that guy does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like he's gonna body slam him or something. <laughs> uh, cool. Stay in contact with us, guys. Check out our website, canvasagenda.com. Emails with any questions, comments, criticisms, whatever. Leads. 
lead to stories in your area. If you want anything covered from your local marijuana uh, news, um, please send us some some links. We love it when people send us scoops. Absolutely. Yeah, um, our email is info at canvasagenda.com. You can connect with us by phone, 2707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N, which is 2266. Leave a voicemail if you'd like. We'll play it on air. When we do do live shows, that's where you call to. Um, also, find us on iTunes so that you can subscribe. You can search for The Cannabis Agenda or Cannabis Agenda. Um, subscribe. It'll be automatically um, available on your iTunes when it's once we've put it online. So, uh, and uh, please leave reviews um, for us on there as well. We'd really appreciate it if you'd leave some reviews. And to those that have, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, check us out on Twitter um, and uh, on Facebook. Um, and uh, you can just search Canvas Agenda on either of those. Um, please uh, send invites to your friends um, on Facebook for us as well. Um, here we go. Yeah. Well, uh, till next time, people. Peace and pot. Later, you guys. source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. With Mexico reeling from the effects of the drug war and many current and past leaders of that and other Latin American countries now calling for the decriminalization of marijuana as one possible way to mitigate the violence. My next guest has long held that point of view. He's the former Minnesota governor, Navy SEAL, and professional wrestler whose independent political philosophy is eloquently captured in his best-selling Don't Start the Revolution Without Me, just updated and published in paperback. Jesse Ventura joins me. Hi, Eduardo. Great to see you. Great to see you again. So uh, I know you've held the view on uh, decriminalization. Why and how do you support it and how do you defend it well, against parents who are so concerned? Well, it's simple. You, you, you either read and study history or you're destined to repeat it, Geraldo. We're repeating it. This is the identical same thing to the prohibition of alcohol. The minute alcohol was prohibited, that's what created all these border towns like Tijuana, Nueva Laredo, and all these towns, Nogales, where they're having all the trouble, because all the U.S. people that wanted to drink in those days ran across the border and drank in Mexico. Well, that brought the prostitution. It brought the other behavioral problems down there. The simple thing is this. When you decrypt, when, when you prohibit something. It doesn't mean it's going away. It just means it's going to be run by criminals now because it's not above board. Well, the criminals eventually get so wealthy, they become more powerful than the government, which is a great deal of what's happening in Mexico right now. They have more guns, I might add, they get them from the U.S. because it's illegal to own a gun in Mexico. Uh, they got the guns, they got the power, they got the money. By decriminalizing, they're out of business. They have to find something new. It's not rocket scientists, Geraldo. It just takes politicians with some courage. Politicians who aren't afraid of, of who aren't worried about jeopardizing their reelection and simply do what's right. Decriminalization is the way out of this. And for parents who are worried about it, parent.
and that'll be the answer to the problem. We, I'll put it this way, are people getting shot over alcohol and tobacco? Not anymore. And yet both of those drugs are worse than marijuana. I've never met someone who smokes pot and goes home and beats their wife up. I've met a lot of people that drink and do that. And I myself was an addict to Copenhagen, chewing tobacco. One of the most difficult things I ever quit in my life. Well, marijuana is not addictive, not physically. It can be psychologically, but it is not a physical addiction like nicotine. And we allow those two drugs. Why wouldn't we allow marijuana? And then if you take it to the medicinal end, we allow doctors to give us morphine, but they can't give us pot. What's wrong with this picture? In a brief minute I have left, I have to ask you about what you think of the president speaking at Notre Dame today. You know there were uh, some anti-abortion activists who had, uh, had promised to disrupt the festivities, etc. That didn't happen. Uh, he handled it, it seemed, pretty gracefully. But what do you think about the whole flap? Well, there's always going to be a flap, Geraldo. You, I learned that as governor. There's no gray area. Not an abortion. It's black, it's white. And the two shall not mix. And it's always going to be that way. So you're, you're always going to have protesters who are going to be against abortion. You're likewise are going to have protesters who are going to say that it's a woman's right to have her own choice and that it's not government's job to step in and do that. What about the president's main message? Re exactly agreeing with you, but saying we have to be civil both sides. To oh, each other. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's look at a few things. I'll tell you what I'd like to talk about quickly. How about this torture? Now, the good thing I'm not the president, because I would prosecute those that did it. I would prosecute the ones that ordered it right down the line. The reason it's not happening is because the Democrats are involved, too. And that way, they all want to move on. They all want to forget about this torture. Well, Geraldo, if we're not going to be a country that stands by the rule of law, and not just when it's convenient, then what do we stand for? I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that my country has created the Hanoi Hilton down in Guantanamo. Now, and I'll say this, for though I've been waterboarded, it is torture. I know what it's like. And if it wasn't torture, then why don't we let our police do it? When they pull a guy in as suspected murderer, why can't they waterboard him to get a confession? The Constitution. You're damn right. So if we're not a country that stands by our Constitution, what are we? Oh, we'll stand by it when it's convenient for us to stand by it. But when it's not convenient, then we won't. Makes a lot of sense to me. The always provocative Jesse Ventura, the book out in paperback now, Don't Start the Revolution Without Me. Always a pleasure. Geraldo, always a pleasure. Thanks, Keep up mate. the good.